Who knows more about music than us? The device is a black podcast playing all genres with a sprinkle pop culture and a shit ton of food. If you're not from DC, you probably don't know what size you need. And it's no shit. <laughs> now starting the show off with a laugh. What is it giving? Sure. I don't. <laughs> Why sound like two just oh over it honorary girls? <laughs> Nothing, you know, living the dream. Happy Thanksgiving, people. Happy Thanksgiving. I mean, by now Thanksgiving has passed when this episode comes out, but I know y'all still eating LOs. Yeah, so. forever. Actually, no, because a couple of days of this shit, and I'm going to be like, all right, well, let's go to Lardente. <laughs> Come on. All right. Well, <laughs> I successfully campaigned my family to order out, and then my little cousins vetoed because they decided they want to cook again. We was trying to say, like, y'all don't got to cook. Like, y'all got a restaurant now. Like, y'all don't got to. Then today, my uncle was like, the kids said they cooking. So, <laughs> <laughs> pissed. I mean, but. I I wanted some Thai noodles. You better get them the day before. Listen. Because the, the kids said no. And by the kids, I'm talking about a Benny and them. A Benny and them to give me that they could cook, though. You stay swearing your family not a cooking family, but I feel like the youth got it. Them. My mom, my mom and her sister does not cook and fish. Like, what? <laughs> That's so weird to me because they just, everybody in your family that I met give me probably could cook. Stephanie said not. You know, black people are deceitful. <laughs> black nah. people do got a little deceitful spirit. Oh my God. I've had enough. So, child. I mean, they can they can make enough so that they can live. Mm-hmm. But nobody is like, oh my God, I hope Aunt Jackie brings X. I don't like that for y'all. Yeah, because... don't get that. It went from literally my grandparents cooking to the kids cooking. And by the kids, I mean the people in their twenties and teens. <laughs> like it skipped my my age group too. A whole generation of dolls just not eating. <laughs> Two generations of dolls not cooking nothing. <sighs> yeah, we're gonna have to figure that out. But happy that the children have stepped in. Well, they've been cooking Thanksgiving in the last like three years. Oh, good. Well, before pre, you know, pandemic, we wasn't having Thanksgiving. So the last time my family had Thanksgiving was twenty nineteen. So, but the, like, three Thanksgivings before that, it was my uncle and his kids. I'm glad that somebody listened to COVID law because, you know, my family still packed the house out during um, pandemic time. <laughs> I keep saying that. We're in a pandemic still during quarantine. Yeah, because people are getting COVID now. I thought that my neighbor had it, but luckily it was just the flu. I was like, go come in here. Look, and it's no shade, but... Yeah. I don't know what you got. <laughs> Give me what you got for a poke chop. Huh, she threw it up like it was a show. So Benji. <laughs> Speaking of Benji, did you see Summer's new little rap video? I sent it to Benji. the chat. I was like, wait for y'all to stand because I know y'all love anything that girl do. Who is y'all? The whole chat stands Summer, including me. I just don't think that the Benji is necessary all the time. Yeah, I mean, you know, I ha- I do love summer, but I do be having some some issues. I do have notes at times. <laughs> Sing Tenny Tanks issues. That's a song. 
Tenny is the issue. See? The issue. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's cute or whatever, and she looking like the um ghetto BM. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on brand for what she's trying to give in it. But it's so interesting because she's not. She I don't when I think of summer, I don't think ghetto. But I think that's because if that she's makes quiet. sense. Huh? No, I get it. I think, but I think her being quiet hides some of the ghetto. I don't think it's not in there. But even like when she first came out and she got her little good sort, like she's a different doll. Like yeah. before she gave like guitar, weird hipster joint. But ever since she started having kids, it was um intergalactic space thought vibe. I think that she ghetto, but I think that she's like alternative. And I think that it's, I don't know, the people could contain multitudes. She give me weird dough, but interested in ghetto. I don't see the weird no more. All I see is just baby mom. No. In Atlanta. And she don't even got this thing. She don't even got a Southern accent. So when she be doing the the rah-rah, Benji, Tangi, it be weird. Because it's like, you talk like a, like, I don't know where she sounds like. like she sounds like a black girl from Ohio. And by that, I mean no, no accent. accent. Yeah. Because black people from Ohio have no accent. It's not white. It's not black. It's just nothing. Yeah, which is scary. It adds to the fact that I think that people from Ohio are liars. But <laughs> What? Oh, my God, Michelle, if you're listening, I don't <laughs> agree with that. <laughs> I'm talking about niggas, but love uh, Michelle. I'm saying my friend don't be lying. We love friends that don't lie. Hmm. How close. <laughs> what else is going on? I'm screaming. Chris Brown. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is Muse with the news. <laughs> I want the world to just stop when it comes to that man. Like, believe women and all of that. But I feel like how much atonement for certain sins do we have to witness before it's like, okay. I thought it was strange that people were, like, booing him for that award. Like, that's weird. And Mays were like, no. Like Beyonce. <laughs> no. I don't the understand. The AMA girlies do not see it for Maurice. That. Anything, if anything, I saw white people had no opinion on Chris Brown. Right. I didn't know white people were like death to the Brown. I don't know what that's about. I mean, yes, I know exactly what it's about, Rihanna, but. But Rihanna don't even care. Not not even that. Yes, Rihanna don't care. But as far as white people are concerned, the degradation of Chris Brown and his like being didn't continue past Rihanna. We as black people continue to see him fuck up and we still don't care. So like, no, no black people care. Cause th- the people that are mad on the internet are, I've seen nothing but black people bashing Chris Brown. That's so weird. It's, there's a black women Twitter are eating Chris up. They done cussed out Kelly and told her she a shadow. They just said Sierra mm-hmm. is a husband and washed up. I mean, Black Girl Twitter is not playing with nobody. They are taking zero percentage. I'm glad that I don't live on that side of the Twitterverse, the Twitter sphere. 
Because I haven't seen I mean, it. I went to go search to see what people were saying, and it was just reads everywhere. Not free reads. Usually, I love those. Like, I went to the, the, the actual video of Kelly, and I went to the QRTs. But Chris Brown's music still does really, really well. So, like, there's a disparity between this mass amount of people who seem to hate him since 2009 versus the people that are still fans and, like, not speaking up, because that's also weird. I haven't seen... Well, no, the the I don't know what his stands are called, but I'm I'm on Breezy Twitter, because, um, like, three... I'm mutuals with, like, three of his hardcore stands, and, of course, they stand enough for their king, like... They're hmm. going hard, but I'm just saying that a lot of black women are like deaf to the brown. That is so interesting to me. They're like, what I've been seeing why the why black girls are still mad, they see the Rihanna situation, they say the Karuchi situation. Apparently, there was something about he if you not light skinned, you weren't allowed to be in his section. There's, um, I've heard of all of this before, yeah, but I just I've never seen people going off on him about it. It just added to the canon of Chris Brown is a bad person type shit. But I never seen nobody wish him death or like not want him to win things or whatever because he's continued to gather accolades. Oh no, black girls him. been black girls not letting they've been not letting off of Chris. Hmm. Like black girl Twitter has not eased up on that man since. Rihanna. I be learning so much about the way that the internet works via this podcast because I don't see none of this stuff. Well, I mean, you mostly follow gay and girls that probably don't care about Chris either way. Mainly. And I follow Chris Brown stands. So just following them two or three, I see everything because they be cursing everybody out. Damn. And then they be getting cussed out. Internet aside, in real life, Straight niggas, straight girls, people I know. Like, I just don't know nobody that has a very strong opinion about Chris Brown negatively. I don't. Because we don't hang around people that's, like, deep. Like, people we hang around don't care about what artists do. We just want the music to be good. Hmm. Like, we not around, like, moral majority people or people, you know what I'm saying? Like. No, I get it. It's just, like. We not that. around people who, like, care and stuff is rude or disrespectful of not or not of 2022. Like, we don't hang around people that are conscious of those kind of things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to be smart. I'm just saying, like you're not lying. That's why it's funny because our friends have fun. <laughs> like they, they just not them kind of people. Yeah, and I'm not saying anything's wrong with being that kind of person. I'm just saying that that's just not our circle. No, I get it. I mean, y'all know I um talk about my trainer on this podcast a lot. That's a friend of mine. We be working out to Chris Brown, like. <laughs> And I'm not his only client. Like, the people being there going off. Like, I, I just don't know people who don't like Chris Brown. I understood, what was it, Miranda Lambert or whatever, and people like that got on stage. It was, like, down with Brown back in the day. But as of recent, haven't heard anything bad. People, All I know is, oh, he looks so healthy. Glad to see him doing good. His video's good. The music good. Like, only good things. So when Kelly spoke out because if y'all don't know what we rambling about chris brown won best r&b or best male something performance award and i know lucky was probably pissed oh well that's another story we can we can also chat about that but kelly Rowland presented it chris brown wasn't there and 
when he won, she opened up the envelope and said, Chris Brown, blah, blah, blah. And then the audience kind of, they weren't clapping. Like, they weren't necessarily boos, but it was. No, he were like, uh, it was like, yeah, it's more it was like heckling that we, that I ain't like. So she was like, all right, y'all chill out. I'll accept this award on behalf of my friend, Chris Brown. <laughs> and thank you so much for your contributions that you've put into continuously making R&B great, blah, 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 blah. So that on top of the fact that we had this, what would have been a very legendary performance with him, Sierra, and whoever else they added to the docket to tribute Michael Jackson's 40th anniversary of some shit. And they canceled that. It's just like, well, damn, was this planned? Like, was this all supposed to be like a We Still Hate Chris Brown episode of... It was crazy to see so many of the elders, like, in support of Chris Brown. Like, I saw a Tedra Moses post. Mm -hmm. Tank posted a video. Like... Now, that I've seen. I've seen the celebrities standing up, but I just haven't seen regular people say anything at all, for real. Oh. Yeah, the, the old head celebrities are, like, Team Brown. They kind of always have been. I feel like after Rihanna has come out with all of the different things that she's come out with interviews negative and good on behalf of the situation her crying on oprah couch talking about she was sending royal rain um wait that's Lil kim daughter yeah the the royalty his daughter named royalty <laughs> yeah something with an r and stupid but she sent the baby baby clothes like she still wishes him well like they i'm not gonna say they have a good relationship but it's not like oh i hate him he beat me up like domestic abuse like it, she's not giving that at all and a lot of people don't know this side, but there was another interview that came out of Chris Brown that they actually don't play often enough. And he's talking about how the night went down, how it was a fight, how he overpowered her, how he regretted, how he turned himself in. Like he recants the entire telling of what it was on the way to the fucking Grammys. And I've never been in a domestic, domestically violent situation. I'm not one of those fight my nigga niggas because we niggas and you'll die but like there has to be light at the end of the tunnel of that like it can't be like a everyone involves career is over with forever and ever amen because what happened in 2009 but what black girl twitter is saying that is that it didn't stop in 2009 it went on to karuchi it went on to the club thing. They were just saying that it's been continuous reports about him ever since. They haven't stopped. Now, I haven't heard all of these, but people are, I mean, I haven't heard anything past Karuchi, but um, the streets are saying it's reports. So. Yeah, like the, the rumors never really stopped, but it wasn't anything as bad or treacherous as the Rihanna situation. Rumors gone rampant and fucking shave room headlines about Chris Brown being a fuck boy are not a reason for him to not deserve an award. Niggas are niggas. But he people feel like boy. it, but people feel like it is. That's what I'm saying. Like people up today feel like if there's any allegations against you, you shouldn't have a career at all. Like there are people who really feel like after the Rihanna thing, he shouldn't have had a career. The only thing that so, like, if someone was to say that out of their mouth, I would understand that a lot more than, oh, he cheated on Karuchi. He don't deserve anything. You know, she's had, like, order of protections against Chris. Yeah, because he's nuts. Remember that? that yeah, because that's what they're saying. So they're like, this man was stalking her. This man was harassing her. Like, 
he should not have a career because it's obviously the kind of person he is. Yeah. I don't know. I've I've heard all of these things too, and I'm not gonna say I like overlooked them or look past them, but I didn't think that there is still some disconnect because his he's still been tremendously successful with everything he's come out with after that. Like, but after it's not he, disconnect because the people that are going against him were not in have not been into him. It's not like it's a switch. These people been he's been dancing mm-hmm. these people since Rihanna. Hmm. Hmm. Well, maybe they just pick and choose when they loud about it. Or you think that they just be going off about him all the time and we don't Anytime, see anytime something big with him happens, it comes back up. Like when he did the song Go Crazy with Drake, or Go Crazy was Go Crazy with Drake or with No, Go Crazy uh, was Young Thug. Um people guided. was going off about no, that. No guy. When he did Drake. the song with Drake, the timeline was going off. Like anytime he do anything, the timeline is going off. Well, that's stupid. I kind of want people to like enjoy life aside from the things that they don't like. If I don't like something, I'm not talking about it all the time. There's nothing wrong with them feeling as strongly as they feel about him. I do think that they have points, honestly. But I don't think that that negates from something specifically about music, the music being good, and him getting an award for the music. And I also don't think that they should be coming to Kelly Rowland's neck for being on the right side of history when it comes to a person that she's cool with or close to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I also that... think that people miss under, miss, I don't know what the exact word is, o- overestimate how much celebrities be online. Celeb- I'm pretty sure Kelly don't know nothing about him throwing out brown singing girls from the club in his section. Yeah. I'm sure she don't. Yeah. Celebrities are not sitting around on, on Shady Room. No, but that is also like, we have evidence about the Rihanna shit. We have evidence about the Karuchi order protection, stalking, all of that. His foot up on that meme where she's like walking out of some place with the with Victor Cruz or somebody and his leg up. Like that's hilarious. We got proof of all of that stuff. We don't know that this club thing really happened. Right. So even if Kelly Rowland was hip to the internet or just always online, that's still like hearsay. So it's a lot. The light skin colorism allegations thing have been going on with him centuries. Yeah, forever. But I also think that Chris Brown at one point was like the the crackhead uncle in the basement. And like nobody was like, woo, happy that he's doing bad then. So it's like very strange that they don't gloat about his shortcomings when they're evident. But as soon as he wins something, they all loud again or continuing their rah-rah. The internet is weird. I want everybody to shut up. I am mainly upset. Like, y'all got me taking up for Chris Brown, and I don't care that much. But I'm mainly upset we didn't get that tribute performance. They was about to go the fuck off. Yeah, they was. Because Sierra was dancing better than... I mean, we haven't really seen Sierra dance, dance in so long. So, I mean, mm-hmm. she was like... I mean, this is like Sierra at her peak. Like, the way she was uh, moonwalking, please. Yeah. I love when Sierra dances like soft and nuanced because it shows that she can actually dance. All of that like crunk and be bucking the house down, hardcore heavy hitting choreography that she be doing. I like that too, but it's not, that don't show skill to me as a dancer. Sierra can really dance and she don't always be dancing like this. So I really wanted to see that. Oh, well. What they need to do is just record a version of it 
and put it up on YouTube or somewhere because we will all watch and stand. Mm-hmm. I would like to see it. I haven't said that in a long time. Shout out to Monique. Wow. Inevitably, when we talk about the issue with Chris Brown, we talk about Rihanna. So, Steph. Happy Rihanna month, everybody. As y'all know, November <laughs> is the month of Rihanna. So, for the last week, all we've been doing in music Twitter is saying this is the X anniversary of X album because all she does is drop albums in November. So, make sure y'all go back and check out our Rihanna episode. It's like 20 hours long. And we're basically talking about all her best, all her best deep cuts and slow jams. Rihanna's the queen of everything. We talk about her like almost as much as we talk about Tanasha because she is the world. It's true. She is the world. What if she goes back to that? Like every November, it's a thing. I would leave. I would too. To be, to be fair, to be fair, she did the Fenty fashion show in November. Everything is November for her. Like everything is what November. What is it about November? What is it about know. November and Giorgio Balzi's? <laughs> Baby, I know as part fucking owner, she has to have a special menu <laughs> because that food is blind. <laughs> I went to Giorgio Baldi just to see what Rihanna's hype was about. <laughs> haven't a fucking clue. I haven't. You said the sketty was dry. The wine was great. Maybe that's what she's going for. Nah, mama be eating. Oh. I know that she didn't lost weight because she been practicing for that Super Bowl, but the food is getting consumed. Rihanna <laughs> don't give me diet. No. She don't get workout either. No, Rihanna just give me naturally five. And if she get big, she get big and don't care. Exactly. How can she lose? Because every time she gets big, she just be chilling. Like, she don't care. People be trying to forget about that time that she got big during the Talk That Talk era. But I was like, this is a long period. Oh, when the hair was red? Mama was blotish. No. Yeah, she was. was and she didn't give a shit. She did not care. She was on tour big. That's how you know somebody don't care. <laughs> artists, artists normally are their skinniest when they're on tour. Rihanna was... Mm-hmm. At that time, her biggest on tour and did not care. I think that Rihanna do what Beyonce do and use the tour as workout. <laughs> because Beyonce will start a tour of a certain size and by the end of it, be tiny again. Mm. And Janet, but, I like gets, but I feel like she gets skinny before. Like, she do a Janet. First of all, Beyonce's Janet. never been big. Like, Beyonce's never let her, never gotten how Rihanna will let herself do she feels like it. Yeah, like Beyonce. Beyonce is more obsessed with the um, perfectionist stuff. Rihanna really don't care. Yeah, Rihanna really don't care. And Beyonce is very much so, Lord split me open and I won't tell nobody. <laughs> what do that mean? Mama has been on the table several times. Oh, 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 oh. oh. I was like, wait, church? <laughs> I'm like, well, I need a binder? <laughs> <laughs> you said she'd been on that table. <laughs> Plenty of time. How many times? Yeah, well, we did get one good thing about um, the AMAs. Glorilla. Glorilla. <laughs> Go off, Sean Bankhead. He be creative directing the dolls into a nothing. I love it. So Glorilla and Cardi B performed their hit smash tomorrow, too. And that's why we love them all. Uh, listen. So to think about this, like Glorilla put out, she put out FNF when in April, mm-hmm, like early spring. 
And to be nominated for a Grammy and performing at the AMAs already in November. Mm-hmm. Well, she said she was fasting and praying for 30 days. No, she said she was fasting and praying for 60 days. She shot the video that night and then blew up. Look at God, literally. Won't he will. And she's such a star. Like, you know how you, like, we've seen her do the little, like, club performances and, you know, whatever. But when you get to the big stage like that, that's when you can really tell if somebody has star power. Okay. She got it. She do. And I like that she got the vote of the people because it's in a time where people are going off about all the things that they hate more fervently than anything that they like. It's nice to see artists be liked. Like we like Megan because we like Megan. We like Glorilla because we like Glorilla and we like her music. It's good to see that people like these girls. Even Ice Spice, they be saying that she the next Michael Jackson just because she can't walk outside without it being heavy paparazzi and stuff. They joking, but that's funny. Like we know you like her. She just seemed like a sweet girl. Come on, prayer. She do. She do. And and Cardi was saying that. Cardi was like, she's like, I just love her. I just love Gorilla. No, I, I'm just happy to see that the dolls are talking about praying and fasting. You could pray to early May, fast for 30 days, and still won't let go. Huh. <laughs> Erica say, Erica say, got a good book and got a land edge. Tried a little yoga for a minute. A minute. But it won't let go. <laughs> Try to turn the sign up the hotter. Drunk a whole jar of holy water. That is a song. <sighs> I, I, I go off Riller. <laughs> Not calling her Riller. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the little dances that she be doing. Like Loretta little dances is so cute. She yeah. is a cute little girl. And we said this before too, but her whole crew getting signed and stuff. Four of them girls got a new song out. Like, <laughs> I oh, I love it on Shibuya. YouTube. No, it's a newer one too. So it's hot potato, it's Shibuya, and then I just seen something on YouTube right before we started recording. Oh, word! All nice little girls, like mm-hmm. they're just regular nice little girls. But I would say that the the Cardi, um, the Cardi performance kind of made me like a little emotional not to be dramatic (laughs) but because i really see a lot of cardi in glow Mm -hmm. in terms of they just regular what's she said regular regular girls you know what i'm saying they always wanted the rap wanted to you know had his dream and to see it happen considerably so fast like that's the same kind of thing with cardi it was just like you know cardi did bodeg yellow and it was been a wreck since yep, yep. and mm-hmm. i feel the same way with fnf and it's like with glow she ain't fell off like you know how some people have one big hit and then be like like yeah. think about how big trami was exactly and we have and then it kind of like that. fell off but from Miss Low. She got FNF to Bless to Tomorrow too. So now everybody love Nut Quick. I was in um you didn't come to Philly so you can go to um King's Cafe. We was in King's Cafe with Marvin on Sunday. I just love Marvin. Oh, everybody, the doll. <laughs> and they was playing um another song from her mixtape. I think it's called Uh-uh or something like that. 
And I'm just like, she's really the dog. Like her torso out. Like torso out. I couldn't even look at Ticketmaster because they were sold out already. Like Live Nation link wasn't even working for the doll. Like, and then she posted the picture of the cover and the track, the city's site list or whatever. Sold out, sold out, sold out, sold out, sold out, sold out, sold out everywhere. Love that for her. I'd be happy for the people, and I'm glad that the people are doing well. Yeah, it's it's really up for her. And you know, she keep God first, so that's why she be went. All them rappers though is real churchy and keep God first. So I'm okay. happy for everybody. JT be singing gospel on Instagram, like it's fine. Damn. <laughs> what you call it was talking about supplication and praying the other day. Uh what's his name that they right they look like Kirk Franklin? <laughs> Plies? Plies. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> the rappers be so churchy. That's why the rappers sound sing better than the singers because they um because they churchy. <laughs> no shade. When like, Rob Wade can um, sing some of the R and B boys under the table. I don't know about under the table. Maybe under a bench. Rob Wave will wear Brent Fires out. Rob Wave and Brent Fires make the same type of music. I actually put them in the same category. And Rob Wave out single. <laughs> did you see the did you see Fetty Wap did a remix to Yams from Masego Yams? No. And Fetty sound way better than Masego. You're not naming people that I think can sing, so I'm not mad at the rappers outdoing the dolls. No, I know, but that's my whole point. I'm saying that you know how they like how come the RB singers can't sing no more? I said they don't grow up in church. That's yeah. why all the rappers can sing because the rappers grew up in church and still be at church. That's nah, why they can for sing. Real. I see, I see where you're going. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Fetty Wap could always sing to me, though. Fetty was talking his sh I said, wait a minute. It's runs in there. I was like, Miss Sago needs to practice. <laughs> Whenever you call that man Miss Sago, I lose it. <laughs> you said it first, and then it was just funny, so I just kept saying it. Fair. <laughs> Here go Corey. I said to Corey, he said, yes, Cyclops. I had to hang up. <laughs> The vocal brochure. The vocal brochure. He sings. Hey, he's adorable. I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be in jail, but yeah, a few things happened with him that I, I don't understand why the girls not talking about like they talk about Chris Brown, but we don't have to do that. Well, nobody's typing this up but me and um niggas. <laughs> <laughs> and it's no shade to the sayy. Mm, that's a little bit, but. Booby was talking about Cardi B and Glorilla. I want new music from Cardi B. I feel like there's this sophomore slump thing that a lot of people are scared of that's really working my nerves. We finally got a hint that Scissors is coming back to us soon. I want to say, well, I don't care to say anything really, but Normani is alleged for the third year in a row to finally be putting music out. And then oh, it's just Cardi. Like, what is happening? Can you share more about the um Norman? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't nothing really. She be getting the girls' hopes up, but there was some like tweets that were posted that had audio of new music, but I mean that could have been anything. I don't trust her. So 
Donna Jane is the doll from Fifth Harmony that really needs to be famous, but people don't care. Her music is good and it has been good consistently solo. The other one who I don't really know what her name is, but she started talking to Ty Dolla Sign after he was talking to Alicia. She has cute music too. All of it is more consistent than Norman's. I will never forgive her for letting Wildside fall to the wayside like that. Do you feel like she let it fall to the wayside? Nothing else happened. Nothing came out right after it. She doesn't have any follow through. She doesn't care. She's because, socialite, so I guess she feel like she don't got to care. So am I. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so am I. It's funny. <laughs> I love Normani. I just, I don't think about her as far as music is concerned anymore. So whenever I see news about new music, I actually get irritated. <laughs> but girl, you are not coming out. Stop playing. <laughs> Ooh, she's just trying to get to the yams, me. <laughs> me too. I do wonder though, like, what is her source of income? If well, she's not- she was so when she was in Fifth Harmony, she was on one of those random shows about people that got a lot of money, and they kind of broke. They went, they took her out shopping. They broke down some like investments that she had, or like just what she had her money tied up in, and she'll be fine. Like. I can't remember who the host was. But you said movie. when she was in Fifth Harmony, that was years ago. So no, what but, is the current? Do I need to put Wells Fargo? Well, you love to get Chase Bank on the line, so I'm not going to stop you. I can't <laughs> I confirm. Sure the children is not an illegal activity. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> not Normani a booster. I don't think the Normani's <laughs> out here scamming the dogs. But you know, rich people get involved in cryptocurrency and like Bitcoin and all of that shit, and be having money out the wazoo for no reason. She one of them. Yeah, like, it's like you know how we don't know really ain't like Rita Oral, but like <laughs> famous for nothing. But we see her around, and we see her on like. She'll be on like American Idol Australia or something. You know what I mean? Or like but Norman, Hilton. we don't see her doing nothing but being at parties. So it really be like, what is the source of income? Where, where, how do the bills get paid? Can you pay my? Rita Oral is a metaphysical dilemma that I just haven't quite conquered yet. <laughs> I don't get it. There's Rita Oral songs that I actually care about and like and still listen to, but I didn't I even know she put out a song before. I just I know I like no, I literally did not know she's ever performed a song on TV before. Like <laughs> we got introduced I, to her as a singer. I know, but I never saw her sing. <laughs> so I was like, well, maybe maybe I made up this thing of her being a singer. Because I've never seen her do it. The world may never fucking know. Like, <laughs> and now she married to my man. So honestly, she's dead to me. My man, my man, my man. Your man left you. Taika is my king. I love him. Who? Taika, her husband. You know him. He be in boy stuff movies. Oh, let's Google because I love boy stuff. Rita <laughs> Oral. And it was videos, pictures of Rita Oral, him. And her and Tessa Thompson making out. Oh my God. Yeah, he's controversial though. The 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 fanboys don't care for him that much, but 
He has directed some MCU films that I kind of, you know, they are. He did Thor Love and Thunder. See? Wouldn't <laughs> know a thing. <laughs> Come on, Taika Waititi. They look alike. <laughs> Cute couple. Not mad. Secure the fucking bag, Oral. See? If Oral don't do nothing else, she gonna keep a coin. Read a horror. <laughs> <laughs> the she probably got a bad name for no reason. She seems sweet, honestly. I think that black people just turned their back against her immediately because they was trying to say she was the next Rihanna, like as far as looks was concerned. And Rock Nation did a disservice to themselves by even trying that. And lest we forget, she's the reason why um Chanel Iman had the poochie on ASAP Rocky. Because she was going around telling everybody that she was. <laughs> Rita Oralin. And that's why Corey calls her Rita Oral. Yeah, it's not okay. <laughs> her nicknames are the best, though. And Rita Hora. Yeah. <laughs> well, he said that. I... <laughs> it's still funny. Our friends are comedians. Wow. <laughs> I can't. I just wonder how long Corey be working on his material, but then I really be like, let's be serious. He came up with that on the spot. Corey don't even have time to come up with material. Those be off the fucking cuff. That thing is a fool. <laughs> and that's what makes it so funny. Like, Ooh, love to laugh. But we also need to talk about something that's not funny. These 130 Lotto songs getting leaked. Wait a minute. Yeah. And so... old nigger being behind it. I don't care what nobody say. Before we even get to how Nikki did it, the songs are bomb. <laughs> like everything that I heard that leaked of Lotto's was good. Something is going on in female rap in general because how you got a version of Blick Blick, but Coyle Ray got it and Nikki on it. How is there a dude that allegedly wrote Big Energy, not the chorus, but the verses? So like there's just some lies, fables, falsifications, fallacies, and fiction. And come on, alliteration, I went off. And the rapstress game because like they all pride themselves on pushing their pen but there's a couple claims on lotto's pen there's a couple claims nikki is fraudulent whatever i i just don't i just don't know 130 some of them were songs that actually came out because i saw like some a screenshot of like some of the um some of the lists and some of the songs were songs that actually came out, like Like a Thug, which we both love. love we both that. love Like a Thug, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Blick Blick was on there, and she actually says the same thing as, Koi, want a baby like me? Keep on wishing, baby. Bust it open first. You got to kiss it, baby. So I don't know who wrote it first. I don't know anything. I'm a bet yeah. on Lotto, though. Yeah, I would bet on Lotto too, but I also think that they be having demos created for them and they might pass and then they end up with somebody else and they keep the lyrics. Or they work with somebody on the demo and then it don't end up hitting the record and it gets to someone else. And then they just either can't take credit for it or don't because they don't want to look crazy. Mm -hmm. Something is afoot. I love that you think Nikki did it. The reason why is because Blick Blick leaked with Lotto on it. Whole lot of money with Lotto, which Lotto's version of Whole Lot of Money is everything. Mm -hmm. 
Bia, her voice is, too, she doesn't give anything. So Bia, I can't see it for her. And she looked like a mill and may seem Miss Emil. Um, <laughs> and then there we go up with Fabio Foreign. All three of them songs are Nicki Minaj songs. Yep. Y'all do the math. And it, and it's and it so conveniently happens like three days after Lotto gets her Grammy nominations and Granny gets nothing. Okay. That's the name of the episode, everybody. Granny gets nothing. So we brought up the Grammys because Glover is about to storm. But the nominations are in and the internet is mad. <laughs> the internet is out. The, the quiet, quiet the competition and the Grammys is out. This happens every year. We do this every year. We bring it to you every ball. I'm confused. Why y'all mad for? Why y'all gagging so? <laughs> I love quoting purses. <laughs> <laughs> Burning. No, but why are y'all gagging so? Like, okay, I just want to start by saying this. Mm. First of all, y'all, y'all keep forgetting the process. Everybody's like, this person got got uh snubbed, this person got snubbed. And they try to blame it on the academy. It is not the academy's fault. If somebody does not get nominated, that is on their fellow musicians. Yeah. The peers. If your peers are paying you nooch, that's not an industry thing. Like in terms of the architects around the industry, that means that your peers don't see it. Yeah. And you should address that. Because I would hate if my peers didn't see it for me. Especially if they didn't see it for me and wasn't telling me that they didn't see it for me. Right. Because pressure not getting nominated was a shocker. Yeah. Because that song was everywhere. It had all of the makings of the way that we be trying to break down Grammy nominations since the podcast started. Everybody was playing it. The hood love it. The radio love it. Like Aunts love it. Aunts love it. Every walk of life, creed, kind, and whatever else loved it. But she's nowhere to be found from a nomination perspective. Her nor Nikki. Love that. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, so... It's the it, it's your peers, and I'm so glad that um Brian Michael Cox opened up that iPhone and said, "Let me talk to y'all right fast and make it plain." Because I think so much blame goes on to the system mm-hmm. when it's not the system; it is your peers. Your peers are paying you. Nooch. Actually, let's just let them listen to what he said. These nominations are basically voter. To nomination. There's nothing between the voter and the nomination but a ballot. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I've been talking to a lot of my peers, but notably uh, to my great friend, my brother Rico Love. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I, I spoke on uh, how I felt about Summer Walker and um, Ari Lennox um, and Brent Fias not being nominated for the Grammys. But for me, what I was directing that energy to was the voters. Um, and the voters, the people who are voting, either their lack of knowledge of these artists or their just ability just to um, vote for things, for people that they know. You know what I'm saying? I want to challenge the people who are the voting members of the Academy. Um, in your perspective, genre, when I vote, I go listen to all the music. You know what I'm saying? I'm not voting from a perspective 
of, you know, what I know. If it's some music I don't know, I listen to all the records and then I base my um my vote on my my assessment of all the records I've heard. So I just I just want to just you know clear up. You know what I'm saying? The, there is no middle person when it comes to this voting process. This is literally from the voter to nominee to to nomination. Um, so the results are the results. You know what I'm saying? The, the results are not based on anything else but the votes. So uh, I challenge the people who vote to really get into all the music, even music you don't know, in your perspective genres. And I challenge the artist to to who, who, who felt like they should have gotten nominated and didn't get nominated to get to know these voting members in your local chapter, get to know these voting members around the nation and try to make contact, you know what I'm saying? Because it is a process, you know, it's not a popularity contest, man. This is, you're getting voted, by, voted on by your peers. So contact these people, man. Contact who you need to contact, you know what I mean? But yeah, like Summer, who does? I don't know what Summer be doing anyway. So like, after all of the hoopla and what everybody was saying on the internet, I was just like, in all honesty, I don't think that anyone should feel snubbed aside from Summer. Granted, there is some probably work that she needed to do on her side as far as like being an AKA interest for the industry and getting her music out there to the peers that are in the academy. She probably just didn't do that because laziness, ghetto, baby mother stuff. I don't know. You really never know. But it goes hand in hand. And she's been out long enough, has broken enough records, has been on the tips of everybody's tongue enough to be Grammy nominated. And it hasn't happened. So I'm like, if I was her, I could understand her feeling some kind of way. But some of these other girls, let's be fucking for real. So let's talk about it. <laughs> Canyon, Pooh. Mm. He's been on my bad side a lot recently so it's hard because i think Kenyon has one of the strongest um albums this year mm -hmm. but his internet persona can be read as off-putting it is and it's unfortunate because again he has one of the best r&b albums that came out this year it's no skips Literally, not one skip on that entire album. The love is on replay. Hello, a song. But he's going off as he does. And I'm not saying that people don't have, people aren't allowed to be upset. I'm never going to say that. Like, you definitely can be upset if you want to be upset. But I think that also you need to stop and take a minute and say, like, well, how did this happen? And if you understand the process, then you will know it's not the only people stopping you are your are your peers. And that, and that so, is the confusing part about Kenyon in specific to me. Because you friends with everybody. You are one of those like cool R&B kids. You know how there's like a, a air of pretension amongst the dolls that we know that don't nobody else really fuck with or like they're not mainstream artists. Singing community. Singing community girls. Like they have... But he's singing community 
community girls. Sing community girls can't vote. <laughs> But single community girls have an end sometimes, depending on who they know, like the Stevie Mackeys and the fucking Duran Bernards and all of like they they are on a fringe of knowing some people that are in Kenyan know them. So in my mind, I'm like, Kenyan, you a step away from not complaining and getting on our nerves no more. Like you two degrees of separation away from actually being able to shut up and just get your accolades that you deserve. Because crying about it is not going, it's going to actually make it, you look worse to me. Right. And also too, I think that because back in the day, if you was popular, you was popular across the board. Mm -hmm. So people, hmm, how do I want to say this? People will conflate their popularity with the American public, with people in the industry knowing their music. These celebrities do not be knowing what's going on in the world of music <laughs> like that. They really don't. Like, people that the rappers do. Rappers stay abreast of other rappers, but I don't feel like the RB girls stay abreast of other RB. You know how I know one of the ways? Because when you watch the, the song associations, they don't be singing nothing new for real. They all be singing the same old songs. Same old songs. Or if it's a new song, they be like, well, how do you know the words? Mm-hmm. That's a really good observation. And again, singing community dolls, I feel like they stick together. They think that they the cool kids. They think that they this and they that. And like to a certain extent, they're correct. They know each other's music. They play the beats. They do all of the things. But the mainstream dolls or the people who get the in, forget about all of that shit. Like, don't nobody be on Song Association singing Alex Isley. And it's no shade. Alex, I used to get on there and sing everybody's song. Right. So it's like, what is that about? Right. Because I remember when Billie Eilish, when she when she was on her song, she did a her song. I was like, <laughs> one, because she sang down. Yeah. And two, because I was shocked because a lot of times the girls don't be singing nothing new. Nope. It's actually so, it was William Eyelash that had to bring her up because her outside looking in which we still have to do a case study on is super famous your girls ain't saying shit the mirror j blige <laughs> the morning is good and it's gorgeous uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean like I don't know. I and and to to Brian Michael Cox's um point on the other side in terms of voters, he said that he sits and listens to everybody that's on the ballot. I forgot what artist it was, but some artist was like was on Twitter and he was like, You know how many names are on the ballots? I'm not about to sit and go through that full list mm -hmm. of like 200 songs. Yeah. And then the claim is that it's not a popularity contest, but I do think that you could use popularity to your advantage on the artist side. If I'm an artist, I have new music out. I am a contender or in consideration for Grammy anything. I'm about to reach out to the dolls. You are but going that's not to popularity to me. I don't no. think that's popularity. I think that's, that's creating awareness. Created awareness I, for I sure. Like popularity but, contest is if Beyonce wins album of the year over something else. Well, 
that's a contentious. Like eliminate. We all agree eliminate is not that girl. No, so like I think that this her, album her, could get album of the year. She probably not, but I think that if she could to get album of the year, it would be for this one. Yeah, that's why I said not this one. That's how I wanted to go back. But like people <laughs> like, why could did she da, da, da. like it would be pop like how like okay, no, this popularity contest, how she won for Black Parade. Yeah, that was ridiculous. You get what I'm saying? So like the popularity contest, you gotta be Beyonce level famous. Popular, like. I'm sorry, but like what I'm saying is you can increase your popularity by being an AKA interest for the industry. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, but to me, what people were trying to say that was bootlicking. That's not bootlicking. This is why I said in my tweet, I'm like, if I don't know you, if I've never heard of you, why would I vote for you? Right. You have to make yourself known. You have to go to them. And the thing is, it's by industry and by chapter. If you are not talking to the people in your industry, like, why do you think, why do everybody think Lucky Day gets nominated for a Grammy every single fucking year? Because Lucky be in the studio with everybody. Yeah. He makes sure everybody know who he is. He makes sure everybody see him sing. He makes sure people hear him sing. You know what I'm saying? Like, he playing that to the concert. And he finessed it. He finessed the Grammys this year because he's nominated for his own music. He nominated for Good Morning Gorgeous and he nominated for Renaissance. Okay, yep. And he finessed because he was finessing 2024 Grammys because he's not dropping a deluxe until I think two weeks from now. Mm-hmm. But then the deluxe will qualify for 2024. You know they're going to nominate him because he's lucky. Love that. Smart. A Libra. You got to know how to, how, to, how to move. It's a business. Like it is a business. It's a it's a business on all sides. And I do feel like you have to put the onus on everybody that is involved because I'm not going to sit up here as a music head and be like the peers or the people inside of the academy don't have to do their own homework and get to know the dolls because that's not fair either. But right. as an artist, the spirit that I will go into this having is that, oh, they don't know about me. Let me make them know. Mm-hmm. So you have to, it goes both ways. Like they should be interested as people in the Academy to get to know what's out there and what's nominated and like who's, who the, who, who is of the dogs. But mm-hmm. as an artist, you also got to do your own legwork and be like, all right, well, I know that I have this sect of people. My fan base is niche because of X, Y, and Z. Let me find out how I can get the mainstream dolls into this sect or at least pay attention to that. It's math. Mm-hmm. Because people were like, oh, my God, um, what's the name? Uh, Raven Lene got slighted. I love Raven Lene. I listened to that album in full today. I never skip anything when I listen to that album. I can't listen just to one song. I have to listen to the whole thing because it's so good. But who in the industry know who Raven Lene is? And I also think that people have to get outside of their own boxes, peers and industry and academy people included. But I'm talking specifically to fans right now. Playing at Afropunk and being that doll in that world does not equate to Grammy nominations. Period. At all. You can be the bell of the ball when it comes to indie stuff. That do not mean that nobody know your name in that red carpet or in that room or in that audience. That's not the same world at all. And I don't think that there's a lot of people who like travel back and forth between those worlds either so right raven lene wanted to get a grammy raven lene would have to do overtime work 
to get to those, those people and make sure that those people know who she is. Because I love Raven Lene to death, but selling out City Winery and having a top billing spot but not headlining Afropunk is not going to make you Alicia Keys. Right. Like, that's not the same thing. And I, as a fan, can love all aspects of everything that I just said and still understand girl, why would she be at the Grammys? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And I live for Hypnos. Was mad I couldn't go to the show. So, yeah, I'm still mad. Yeah, I'm actually really upset. But, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, just, I, I think it's, some of the fans be, whenever a big event in music or film or whatever, any type of arts happens and then the internet start going off about it, I just be counting to watch the people who don't even have their facts straight. Like people lead into those conversations with opinion. And I just be like, it's great to be opinionated and have your own stance and like stand for something and like want to get that out. But if it's not backed up in fact, or you're not holding the people that you're talking about accountable for anything, then you just blowing out smoke. Mm-hmm. Like, girl, shut up. Live for mm-hmm. Ray Lene. Her getting a Grammy or being nominated for a Grammy would have been a shock to me. Right. Like that doesn't make any sense. Right. Like you're not even as big as some of the good uh, some of the dolls who not complaining. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't. Know. Yeah, and you know, also too, these people are so individualistic because it's no shade. If Kenya would have been nominated, he would not be mad at all. He wouldn't at be all. like, oh. Such and such didn't get Raven didn't get nominated. He wouldn't say that if he got nominated. He'd be like, "Oh yeah, the Grammys is lit." That's the <laughs> that's the and same that's thing. why I be when certain artists be going off, I be kind of looking at it with the side eye because I'm like, "You're only upset because you didn't get nominated." But like your your baby mom got nominated, shout her out. A pleasant doll, love Alex Isley. Can't wait to hear more. Hope she wins. But her categories lucky are gonna, lucky gonna win something. Yeah, her categories are stacked. I was about to say it's gonna be tough. Like we do this every time. The R and B categories be right. So it's gonna be a celebrity death match in those categories yeah. that night. It really is. I'm excited. Yeah, I'd be happy with it's the No time. way of knowing. No, everything could go any way. Even the big four awards, like it's just like, damn. This is probably the best nominations in a long time. And we be excited every year. We be the only ones excited, but yes. Yeah. I also <laughs> just don't enjoy being mad. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but I also want to say like a special, special, I didn't talk about this in our thread, our, our Grammy story, because I wanted to talk about it here, but I'm so excited and happy for Mary J. Blige. Because... <laughs> Mary, I just feel like Mary is just such in in such a good space, mm-hmm. and in such a good place in her career and her life. Like she just, I mean, when's the last time we seen Mary sweep Grammys like this in terms of nominations? It's been a while. When the last? It's been time a while. Been. Not saying she hasn't deserved, but it's just been a while. I just feel like coming off the hills of. Such a big, um, such a big tour coming off the hills of, you know, her My Life movie. She mm. going to the club now, living her best life. Like, Mary's just such in a good place. I'm just so, 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 so happy for her. And to be an artist that's 30 years in 
and to be in that many categories. And to actually deserve it and not just be getting it off of the fact that you are this doll. Because Good Morning Gorgeous is a very, very good album and I expected nothing less. Period. Happy that my sister is smiling again. (laughs) I also want to shout out people like new cats that we be championing like Steve Lacey's nominated Money Long is nominated like it's a good lineup y'all it's a lot now for producer of the year mm-hmm. wow I'm not mad can't wait to watch we'll turn it down when the people who I don't care about perform as usual yeah this is weird it's like the, I haven't not cared about white performances ever until the last thing be like Six, seven years. I don't know. Like, white art is not what they used to be. White is a little different now. It is. Maybe we'll do an episode on that. Maybe we won't. But it is something interesting going on on the white side of life. No, we have to talk about it because I was seeing on Twitter, like, it's just crazy how famous um, Taylor Swift is because imagine her trying to exist in a time of Kylie Minogue. Yeah, never. And it's also interesting because I feel a lot about Taylor Swift the way I feel about Tyler Perry. Like, on one hand, I <laughs> I loved it. That. No, I wasn't expecting those two names to be next to each other. <laughs> because it's like, on one hand, there are really good, like, things that, like about you that I want to scream for the mountaintops. Like, I love Taylor Swift's songwriting. I think she crafts a very good song. I think that her newest project has some of the best songwriting in her career. But on the other hand, girl, shut up. And also, (laughs) stop being surprised every time you win something. Stop being like this normal, traditional white lady. Like, it's just so much stuff about her that I do not like. And I go back and forth with two things like that about Tyler Perry, too. Like, you don't work with nobody but yourself. You keep all of the money. You don't hire good talent. And then... Wigs be nuts. Like, wigs be nuts. Microphones be hanging in the front. Like, it's just all tacky and bad on one one hand. But then on the other hand, you are a proponent of Black in all of its forms. You feed your core And you take care of people. You take care of people. You, You revitalize careers. You create jobs in communities. Like, you are a good person. You are a terrible artist. And with... Taylor Swift, she is a good songwriter, but she is an awful human. It's just like those back and forth. <laughs> like if she wrote them songs on this most recent album for literally anybody else, I would stand. But it's just because it's her. It's just, just like because it's her. Oh, 444, make a wish, not Jay Z. <laughs> <laughs> some boy, some boy that um jumped in my DMs. Ooh. Um, oh, never mind. Has a, a four 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 tattoo on his hands, and it made me sad. Is it in the font of the album cover? Why did that project speak to the hearts of black men so much? Like, I don't like when I don't know stuff like that, and I don't know that. <sighs> it's something everything I needed to know about him. Maybe like I just the the straights of my life are just very more specific and cultured like it ain't nothing wrong with liking jay-z but that being a pinnacle of your life like that album where he's kind of 
I don't even know what words to string together to make it sound intelligent about what that album is. It's gave. him trying to sound intelligent when it's really like making me embarrassed that you are a father of, ch- of daughters and been married to this lady for 500 years and you still acting like cheating and acting up is, oh my oh. God, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> like the the lack of self-awareness that is the 444 album is nothing to champion. When, especially when you are 72 years old. <laughs> like if a 20, if a 23 year old made 444, it would hit different. Like if NBA young boy made a 444, I'd be like, oh wow, look at the growth. Jay-Z is 68. <laughs> Whenever we call out people ages, no matter how falsified the facts about it are, I fall out. <laughs> You call Jay-Z 72 and 68 in two sentences back to back. I'm screaming. <laughs> back to back. <laughs> Either way, the AARP card is at the house. <laughs> and Beyonce is signing up for caretaker duties. It's fine. See? Listen, you know you get to check when you caretake a family member. The A is dedicated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well. done. Oh, wait. Did you know that Kanye West is about to start selling everything that he did with Balenciaga, everything he did with Yeezy, and everything he did with one of them other companies for $20? Like, everything is going to be $20. I don't know anything that Mr. West does. I haven't been abreast of Kanye West since Life of Pablo. Come on, unabreast of the West. <laughs> That's a hashtag. <laughs> a brand. I'm getting that as merch. I'm getting that as a gap tea. <laughs> Gap. That's the other company. Gap is the other company. Oh, what was that song by Mila J in the West? What was that song? Oh, something Days in the West or something. Hold on, that's my song. Shout out to Mila fucking J. I still be listening to my uh what is it? A year and a day with Mila J playlist. What was the name Mama that? came out with? A EP for every month, and I will never forgive her for it. Every month, what was the name of that song? I got it. It's on the playlist. Look it up, cause that was my song, and I want to sing it. <laughs> Coldest shoulder in the West. Coldest shoulder in the West. Ooh, a song. But she has a newer song out right now called "Welcome to the West." She gonna keep playing that music. <laughs> she gonna keep recording, and I'm gonna keep listening. Period. Ella J featuring DJ Battlecat. Welcome to the West. And I got the coldest shoulder in the West. It wasn't the coldest shoulder in the West for me. That was a song, but it was another one. October. It was the October 2018 EP, October Nights. Whoa, that is a song. She's the one. Yeah, I live for Miller and her J. All right, well. Congrats to the sister. Um, Janae, where her new baby. Yeah, my godchild is here. Me and Janae's godchildren. <laughs> I hope that's baby, a your friend to the show. <laughs> Live for her, the cousin of life. I uh, I hope that the lipstick alley is wrong and he's not really cheating on that lady. But if Twitter goes down, y'all, we definitely have lipstick alley. <laughs> I don't want to go to lipstick. I don't either. I don't want to be in the alley. Elon, get it right. 
Get it right, get it tight. Get it right, Eddie, get it right, get it tight. Ah, it really right. right. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to have to go nowhere. I barely want to go back to Instagram if it's not my um personal in our page. Like, I mean, yeah. not my personal, I hate my personal, my Finsta in our page. Child. What's your real Twitter and not your freak Twitter? Hello. I, yeah, Twitter is superior. I just, it's a part of my daily life and it has been since 2009. If it all goes to shit and it really becomes like Y2K all over again and anything happens to Twitter, I think that there will be some smoke in the city and fire in the street. Like, what would we do? No, for real, means what would we do? Because, like, Twitter is our doll. <sighs> I met our guest of the day on Twitter. Like, it's just like, hmm. Wow. I don't trust Elon Musk, so we can take a break. <laughs> he scares me. Yeah. I'm telling y'all, I robot 2025. Y'all keep letting him do what he wants. <laughs> Well, y'all, that is it for me with the news. And we are super excited for today's guest. I feel like DJ Envy, because every time Envy be like special guest, and we be saying the same thing, but the guests do be special. Like, <laughs> <laughs> please don't ever say you feel like DJ Envy again. How can they lose when they've been chose? I love all of our guests, and I'm super excited about the guests we have today. So stick around. How <laughs> can I lose when I'm already chose? That's a question. That's a question. All she do is ask questions. Because she got one song that's like, she's like, why would I kiss you if you're not my nigga? Like, <laughs> why would I do that? If the party not lit, then why would I come? Why what would I go? <laughs> like, we did this on another episode, and it was funny then, too. <laughs> she's always going to ask some shit. <sighs> All right, we'll be back. We got London on the train. Wishing I never found you. You got this thing about you. Can't escape when I run out of choices. I can't fight. Yeah, I've tried other sources. Don't know why I. Led to you. Is it true when they say you know when it's right? Maybe this is a sign. Cause I'm always so unsure. Back and forth. Can't make up my mind. Caught in between. Baby, it's me. I'm thinking, how come every time I leave, I can't stay gone long? Well, welcome back. <laughs> Get me so excited. 
So we're super excited because um, we have another great guest. Like we've been having a cute run of guests um, this year. And we had our, um, for folks that are OG listeners, we had our uh, business of music um, series that we started, was it like a year ago? Yeah, I don't the know, bomb. Time in the pandemic. Um, but we were able to talk to a lot of people who work behind the scenes of the industry to really get like a little peek behind the curtain on what goes on and not just us um, doing fanfic and making up theories on what we think is going on <laughs> as the dogs do down to the TikTok. We love to have some facts. So we're super excited to have not only someone that has really shown themselves to be a powerhouse in the industry in terms of knowledge and care and all the things, but also one of the homies yeah. that we genuinely made friends with on Twitter, nerding out about music. So we are super excited to have Kia, who some of y'all know as Chasing Kia, um, in the building. <laughs> what did you call me? You called me a, a power player? <laughs> a powerhouse. Girl. <laughs> we is, take the flower. We That's made why we want to take it. Not Nori and DJ Effin. Literally. <laughs> Champs of drink. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so uh we gave you our like personal intro, but we uh, would love you to give like your professional intro to folks who somehow don't know you, which if y'all don't pause right now, go to Twitter, follow Chase and Kia. Literally. Like, comment, subscribe. <laughs> Um, that was such a nice intro. Thank you. Hopefully one day I'll do more that warrants a nice intro. Um, <laughs> but hi everyone. My name is Kia. Um, I'm from Newark, New Jersey. Newark, not Newark, Newark. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I'm just a big music fan who somehow ended up in the industry. Um, I work at OK Player as a writer and content creator. That's actually like my title there. So, <laughs> um, but I do a lot. Um, I handle our festival coverage, um, just making sure that like we have everything we need as far as like festivals go. So making sure we have adequate passes, making sure we have access to where we need to go, who we need to interview. Um, I deal with artist relations. So just making sure for cover stories, profiles, things like that, that we're able to get Connect the dots. I, I guess I'm, I'm what you got. You call back in the uh, clubhouse days a dot connector. Um, <laughs> that was a read. A time to be alive. I miss that. Um, but yeah, so I do that. And then on the social side, I run the Instagram. So from April until now, if you've seen anything on your page about OK Player, it was me. I posted it. Um, and then outside of that, I am a writer for OK Player. Uh, I'm more along the hip hop line of things, but I also interview the veterans. So you might have seen my pro profile with Babyface. Um, I've interviewed Freddie Gibbs. I've done red carpet coverage. I feel like I've interviewed more people than that, but I just be outside and around. Mm -hmm. so yeah, that's it. The doll is credentialed. That's basically what she said in a nutshell. <laughs> so first question on the docket, when did you first fall in love with hip hop? Oh my God, how brown sugar of you. Uh <laughs> you know it. You know we had to come with it. <laughs> you know we had to come with it. 
Best movie out. Best movie. Um, let me take a sip of wine. Um, and I'm so sorry. I have an angel face like a baby, but I have a mouth of like a 67-year-old. So when I drink wine, I gulp like I'm sucking dick. So please, <laughs> everybody just relax if you hear a big gulp. It's just me <laughs> sipping my wine. We love it. Um, <laughs> so I'm glad I got that wine because that definitely did it. That'll do it. That'll do it. You got to tell me twice. That'll do it. <laughs> uh, so when did I fall in love with hip hop? I was a child. I, I want to say I was about, well, there were two times when I fell in love. Mm, three. Um, I think the first time I fell in love with hip hop and I didn't know I was falling in love with hip hop, I was like a kid. I was maybe about, I want to say six or seven. And I don't want to say this is the first time I heard Slick Rick because, you know, you probably heard him before when you were younger, but you never really realized who he was. Right. Um, but I rem remember the first time it it came to my attention that I was listening to Sick Slick Rick. And um, my dad used to drive back and forth to New York a lot because he used to handle business over there. Back in the day, he was a drug dealer over there. A lot of his friends lived over there. So we were always back and forth. And uh, I think we were, we went somewhere. I think we went to Harlem, but we were, we were somewhere. And I had went with him. He had picked me up early from school and I went with him. And a children's story was playing on the radio and like I just liked the beat I wasn't even really paying attention to what he was saying I just liked the beat so my dad was like you don't even know who this is da, da, da. I'm like well who is it like <laughs> like what's he <laughs> like um and he was like yo this slick rick da, da, da. um and for some reason it never left my mind so as I got older and I started to dig more into just hip-hop on my own and you start discovering samples and you start realizing that like the Pharrell aesthetic that you loved so much as a kid was really just Slick Rick or just different things like that, or even people's flows and connecting the dots. Like it grew, it over time, my appreciation for him grew, but it started at that one moment with that song. Um, the second time I fell in love with hip hop and I knew I was falling in love with hip hop was when Kanye dropped Graduation. Mm -hmm. um, I'm 25, so the first era that I really remember, I don't want to say really remember, but that I remember just being immersed in where I was like begging my parents to buy me these CDs was like that Carter Three, uh, Graduation, American Gangster like era of hip hop, like right before you get to the blog era of rap. Um, and I just remember it was something about Graduation. So it was Kanye in general was just amazing to me, but there was something about graduation, the era, whether it was the shutter shades that everybody in fucking like Essex County was wearing, <laughs> or we used to wear the, I never knew the name of them. I just knew we had to go to the, um, the Muslim store, like the Islamic store downtown in our area to get them, the little scarves, like the Arabic. Oh, the anti-war scarves. Yes, yes. So That's we not had the real name for it. Scarves. Out. I don't oh know God, what the hell right. they call. I just know we used to have to go to the Islamic store where they were selling the shea butters and the incense it's, to go. <laughs> I think it's called like a kifai. Don't quote me, but oh. my mom had one and I stole hers. And then Urban Outfitters started selling them and I got the colors. So I was like, okay, wait. 
Damn, I had the colors too. Now that I think about it, I think I had like purple. <laughs> I had black. Like you could, I had them to go with the different. And then when the neon jeans was like popping with the jerking era, you couldn't tell me nothing. I, I just thought uh, I was. Like, I'm like seeing this whole outfit play out, and I'm crying. American <laughs> Apparel, rest in peace, American Apparel. Wow. American Apparel, Aeropostel, Hollister. Like that was a time to be alive for me. Us. Um, <laughs> no, really, it because I wasn't alone in this. Like I was just oh. a baby in it, but I wasn't alone in it. It was its um, own it was. It was. It was really an <laughs> epidemic. Um, <laughs> and I just remember, like, he was really the first person that like had an effect on me. Like, mm. I still remember how I felt when I listened to "I Wonder" for the first time, mm. and I think that's why it's forever a favorite song of mine because I literally am transported back to 2007, back to being this 10 year old kid listening to this album and being like, "What the fuck is this?" Like, mm. so that was like the second time where I really was like, "Yo, I don't know, I don't know what hip hop really is, but whatever. If it's like this, I want it." Um. And then I had a moment where I stopped listening to hip hop. It was kind of weird. I think when the blog era happened, I latched onto who I liked, but then I really wasn't invested. Mm -hmm. And so my love for hip hop came back when uh, it was a, I believe it was a July night and I was home on my laptop and Funkmaster Flex was yelling at me about 110 different times um, as he was preparing <laughs> to drop uh, Otis. <laughs> and um, it was something about that moment that felt so like I would watch documentaries and listen to people talk about the golden era of hip hop and listening to the radio and, and hearing when a song was premiered. And it was something about that moment that made me go like, wow, this is the core of what hip hop is. Um, and from that moment on, I was all in. I was just immersed in it. I wanted to be a part of it. Uh, I even got a job at Foot Locker just so I could hang out with niggas all day and listen to hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, that's so those are like the three important moments in my life for me where it all came together. That was a long answer. No, but, no, it was a good answer. We yeah. love long answers around here. Do you know how long we talk on this cast? We love it. <laughs> huh, too long. I remember some of those specific moments so vividly, like I was there with you. Cause like you said, everybody was doing it at the same time. It was crazy. Yeah. And I can speak to graduation cause I was graduating college when that album dropped. So I vividly remember senior week and me and Roxanne, our friend Roxanne Kia, um, me and Muse's friend Roxanne, like we'll be going to all the like senior week parties or whatever. And um, Drunk and Hot Girls was like our song. <laughs> Drunk and Hot Girls had a hold on Atlanta for some reason. Oh, really? Cool. Everybody was drunk and hot. Are you kidding me? Like and it the was girls. everything at the going to the Royal. <laughs> shout out to the Royal RIP. But um yeah, like graduation and um Kenna's what was Kenna's second album? Loose Wires. That was yeah, that Loose Wires is on. That those oh, two yeah. albums dropped around the same time, right before we graduated from Clark Atlanta. Shout out to Clark Atlanta. And yeah, I I like that time was just so specific. And then we then after we graduated, me and Michelle went to the Glow in the Dark tour, and that just changed my entire life. I remember yeah, the glow in the dark store is iconic. Uh, I remember what I wore. I came to New York for it. Oh, that's crazy because <laughs> I saw it in, in, in Maryland, in D.C. at the Pavilion. Really? 
That's at Meriwether Pavilion. <laughs> I'm screaming. I was right down Madison Square in a metallic jacket, <laughs> glowing in the dark for real. Oh my God, we we did used to wear metallic. Mm-hmm. I had oh, on literally full American apparel, I think. <laughs> I would refuse to buy st- the shutter shades, but I had everything else. Oh, no, I had me some shutter shades. Man. I, I definitely had them. <laughs> I, I if it's one thing I remember, I had that. I seen some shutter say- shades um, like maybe a week ago in the beauty supply store. <gasps> and I was like, I'm not buying these. I'm going to act like they don't even exist. Like, what's going on? But I should have got them for the nostalgia. Yeah, if I walk into the beauty supply store and see them one day, I'm definitely grabbing them just for the hell of it. Because I don't even, a lot of that stuff from my childhood, I threw out. I think the yeah. only thing I still have left is like the little Muslim shit I used to have, to, the little scarf I had to buy. You can still wear that. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a time. Like you said, what a time. That is so mm-hmm. interesting. I, it's interesting to hear about those like, encapsulated time frames of what we all were doing like you called out the blog era you called out the fashion of the time and then even specific songs like everybody has a very visceral reaction to some of those same things even though we grew up in different places we're probably listening to different stuff but it's certain stuff that held everybody captive that's crazy yeah that was like for me because like of course you know like I remember like and remember, I say very loosely, because again, I am 25, but like, I have an older sister who was born in 88. So she really is a part of that whole TRL 106, early 106 in part era. Mm-hmm. So everything my sister was into, I was into. So I do remember mm-hmm. like when Hove dropped the blueprint. And I do remember, I actually have this amazing story about my mom and dad taking us to go see the Best of Both Worlds tour and R. Kelly coming out on stage and then be like, fuck it, I'm not performing because y'all niggas trying to. Da, 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 and going off stage and then Jay-Z oh. had to take over the whole show because R. Kelly wouldn't perform and then I think that was when he got Mace backstage and then he went to Hot 97 like I re- like things like that <laughs> things like Mess. that are just I don't even know how I got <laughs> like, like why did y'all bring me to R. Kelly and Jay-Z show at like six <laughs> what, why, why am I here but um wow he's been problematic forever Ever. forever le- legit but um like i remember like those really big like rap airs i remember nelly and hot in here and what that did like but for me as far as actually having my own moment with that it was really that era of the carter three and graduation and curtis was all right but mm, it really didn't do anything for me um american gangster was like played a lot for me but because my sister worked out against all odds too so <laughs> okay because against all odds for the people who don't know i'm like music and fashion is my world we had up against the wall but mm-hmm. had against all odds and when i realized that there were like stores very similar in other places i was like i gotta start traveling for this shit like i want this they don't have that in dc against all odds just like took me back wow rp again yeah, because that's, I think in Jersey, we might only have one left, to be honest with you. If And that's a very, that's a question mark, to be honest with you, because the mall that I, that it was at, I don't even know if it's still open there. But my sister got a job there. I want to say maybe 
it could have been 2004 because yeah she was probably like 16 and 16 17 so about like 2005 it, i remember it was when jeezy first really came out because she loves jeezy down so it was so maybe was like around 304 yeah yeah where she where she first got her job at against all odds and you know she worked her way up she used it through college and stuff to like pay her bills and stuff so she got to become a manager there and I would just always, you know, wherever my big sister was, that's where I wanted to be. So my mom on the weekends would always take me there. But also before my sister had a car or when her little hoopty would break down, we would have to pick her up and drop her off at work. Um, so I would always come in the store and the DJ by the door, he always knew me and her coworkers always knew me. So her coworker used to have the double XL and vibe magazines in the corner and save them for me. And to this day, I still have them. And he would like mm. read them and get his little copies or whatever. This He was copying shit online before niggas was even really uploading that. So he was like saving his shit and he would give it to me. And I would go home and like just go through and look at like all of these covers and photos. And I was just amazed at what I was seeing because I would walk in against all odds and see the same shit. And then the DJ by the door, I would always give him my iPod and he would go home and download all of the new hip hop and R&B and mixes and stuff and give it back to me. That's how I learned Beyonce's In the Club remix by heart. That was how I learned mix, you know, Jeezy, like spaceships and I think it was spaceships on Bankhead or something like that, if I can recall. But like mm -hmm. that was how I was learning all of these songs was like he would take my iPod home and then bring it back and like, here you go. So, yeah, like uh, Against All Odds played a major role in FYE because the FYE was around the corner from Against All Odds. <laughs> Love it here. So I would go to F I would go to FYE. And like whatever music I heard in Against All Odds, oh, do you guys have this? Do you guys have that? Do you mm. guys have this? Because that's also when I became a music nerd. Because then I wanted to go through the album booklets and I wanted to see who wrote what. Where did yes. you record this? Oh, so this studio is in New York. Okay, this studio is in Atlanta. Okay, what's publishing? Because I would notice on certain Diddy songs, it was like, I think it was Justin's something or Daddy's House or something like Daddy's that. Daddy's House, like, yep. Yeah, so... I'm like, what's publishing? What does it mean it's published by someone, but it was recorded here? So that's when I really like got into what would become. And of course, we'll get to that later. But that's when I got into the liner notes bag of things. So it's funny because having this conversation, I'm unpacking a lot of cultural things that have kind of been locked into my brain because life. But against all odds, FYE, and that whole experience of the DJ, the magazines, the clothes, and being able to physically have albums in my hand where I could see who is, the fuck is Jonathan Mannion? And oh, he did this photo. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Like, and knowing the, the, knowing things before I got into the industry, it all went back to my sister working out against all odds and just me being immersed in that whole scene. So, yeah. I forgot. I don't even know how we got there, but yeah. <laughs> That's everything. It was no, for real. And I think that we also kind of share the same origin story in terms of there was this one moment where we're like, let's open this booklet and dive into the who's who of. Like, y'all remember back in the days they had the who's who little book you could get. And like, literally, those booklets were so important. And I think, you know, that 
for me at least, has helped me to watch people's trajectory, whether mm-hmm. it's up or down, because it's so people Shit. who I definitely looked up to and then they got on reality TV and then things got weird. Um, but yeah, those booklets were just such an important piece of loving music for me because it's like, it makes it now something more tangible because you're like, this is who was behind that. This is who made this happen. And then you, you know, are able to follow that person's career. Cause you're like, Oh, I know what this person did for this artist. So I'm gonna follow them wherever they go. Because I know whoever they work with is going to be crazy. You know what I mean? Like anytime I see Warren Campbell name on something, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I know what type of time this song about to be on. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's how I felt about Brian Michael Cox. That's why that space yep. was like, I mean, like, we'll get to that later, too. But, like, that's why <laughs> that moment was so big for me. Because, like, I remember his name, especially when you get to that 04 era where you get, like, Usher and Mariah and Destiny's Child and all. And I'm like, okay, his name keeps popping up. Who the fuck is Brian? <laughs> like, but I would always know that his name everywhere, even at always. Oh, <laughs> Clark Atlanta's finest. Um, similarly, I think that it starts even before some of that. Like that era is golden because we can track back at a, a mass of people all starting to discover that interest. But y'all remember Scholastic Book Fair? Yeah, of course. Like they had, I mean, everybody don't remember things, but they had (laughs) like these little celebrity, guess what you didn't know about such and such. And they had one with Brandy. They had one with Leonardo DiCaprio. I didn't go about Mm -hmm. gossip rags from fucking Scholastic Book Fair. And that kind (laughs) of like spearheaded everything for me because I was in what, fifth grade? And I was the person that people in my family would come to to find out the hot news about whoever they liked in the industry. I'm just like... I'm not even a teenager yet. Why y'all can ET is on? Like you was born amused with the news. Right. It, it now it makes sense because we do this. And this is like something that we push out into the ether all the time. So it makes sense to be like the nerd who was doing that from back in the day. So stories like this are great. Keep going, Kia. <laughs> yeah, like we want to hear about how you went from this young girl in a car with your dad listening to Slick Rick to getting your iPad loaded up against all odds to where you are now in terms of all the different hats that you wear within the industry because we was there cheering you on but we need the folks to know that like you've been grinding (laughs) like you just ain't pop up out of nowhere right brandy said you gotta buy the album (laughs) (laughs) you gotta listen you gotta buy can we please make sure we all buy the album (laughs) 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 um okay so let me take a little second to think about what is a good starting place for this. Okay, so in high school, I was always, I had a really rough time in high school. Uh, the high school I went to, it was a charter school. I don't know how familiar everyone is with like charters, but like, like it's like, yeah, it's like fake ass private school, basically. Yeah. But, but very- <laughs> that's like the best way to put it. Um, but I went to one for high school, well, middle school and high school, but I had a really rough time in high school. Um, I really didn't grasp onto concepts easily. And, uh, I just was bored by school, I think. And I also think I went to a school that was very like stressful, a lot of workload. They worked us like we were like in college. So Mm -hmm. it just, was a lot for me. And then of course, going through those natural high school things of just depression and sexuality and trying to figure everything out. 
but I always excelled in English. And I remember my freshman English teacher, he just always saw something in me, Mr. Taubman. I'll never forget him for as long as I live. And like he would keep me after class or ask me to come to his like class after like school because he would like, like, yo, you're really talented. And I just didn't see it. I'm like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by sophomore year of high school, I had lost a few friends really tragically to gun violence. Mm. So with that combined with just my natural teenage angst and depression, I was just like, honestly, fuck school, fuck everything. And they were going to keep me back. And my mom was like, she's not dumb. She just lazy. <laughs> Black um, mom answers. That's such a mom thing to say. <laughs> like, my mom was like, she ain't. Because they were trying to make it seem like, well, maybe she has a learning disability or something that's hindering her from learning the concepts. And she's like, no, I know my daughter. My daughter is not unable to understand what you guys are saying. She just is lazy. And she's also tired. You guys work her, like, whatever. So my mom was like, you're going to public school. And I was like, oh, this is some bullshit. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the charter school I went to, I mean, the largest graduating class we had was maybe 120 students. So to go from where the largest graduating class is that to going to a public school where your large graduation class is 3,000 people, yeah. roughly that, like... That's a lot of motherfuckers. Um, And I had never been in public school my whole life. I always went from Catholic to charter. So I really was like, okay, this is a big switch for me. Um, And I just remember through all of that, music kept me sane because I went to a school that was out of my district. So I was using my cousin's address to even go to the school to begin with. But the school was only a 10 minute walk from my house. So my mother would be like, we'll just walk home. So when I would walk home, I would walk by myself because most of the kids did not live in, you know, didn't live in my district. They lived in the district of the school. And also, I really didn't have a lot of friends, especially my first year there. And my first year, there was my junior year there. So imagine you come into a a big public school junior year. People have known each other since they were in elementary school. Mm -hmm. People have relationships and friendships tied in that, like, it's kind of hard to make. And even though I'm a social person, it was still uncomfortable for me. And I, I cried a lot. And I remember Drake's Nothing Was the Same came out mm. around the time I was transitioning schools. And it was at the same time I lost my grandmother. So when I would walk home from school to home, that's all I would listen to was Nothing Was the Same. And I had a Tumblr account. So I would write about albums, but on Tumblr. But I wasn't writing about them for other people. I was writing about them because I had thoughts about these albums and I didn't have anyone to express these thoughts to. Mm. So I needed a place to put them. Right, like it was your outlet. Yeah, like that was really all I had. I didn't have anybody else to go to about my ideas. So I have this cousin, Sky. Her and I don't talk. But back when we were teenagers, like that was my best friend. And she would read my like Tumblr posts because she stayed at my house a lot. And she was like, yo, you could write like you're dope. I'm like, "Mm, whatever. It's just, you know, my ideas. And senior year of high school, because of the charter school I went to, I was able to the only classes that I had to take to graduate were English, history and gym. 
Those were the only mandatory classes I had to take. So they would put all my classes that I needed to take in the morning. And then after lunch, it was like, okay, bitch, you can do it. <laughs> do whatever you want. <laughs> so I couldn't leave the school yet until I was 18. So I had to pick electives to take. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just join the newspaper. Why the fuck not? It's not like I'm gonna have to do anything. So the first day of newspaper elective or whatever, they were putting together what would be the first uh, uh, edition or whatever. And someone had suggested, I think Beyonce was about to perform. No, Beyonce was about to get the Video Vanguard Award. And someone was like, hey, so in honor of her getting it, why don't we do like her top 10 best performances? And I remember the editor of the Mac of the newspaper going, I can't even name 10 Beyonce performances. And it's it's weird looking back on it in hindsight, out of nowhere, I just started listing like 10 Beyonce performances. I was like, um, <laughs> there was the BET Awards when she was standing on the stage with the Beyonce thing for Crazy in Love. There was Dangerously in Love at the Grammys. There was Deja Vu at the BET Awards. It was this at the Soul Train. It was like, I just started listing anything that I could think of. Right. And I remember the whole room just kind of sat there and looked at me like, uh. <laughs> 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 like, what the fuck is this? Mind you, it was only three black kids a part of the newspaper. <laughs> so okay. it was like, bitch, what? <laughs> and I just remember the teacher who was like over the newspaper club was like, okay, so you're going to write it. And I was like, <laughs> okay, bitch. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wrote it and that was the first thing I ever ah this is awful circle wow I'm getting emo so that was the first you thing I ever wrote that got published was about these 10 prolific performances in Beyonce's career and then after that I want to say it was around the time when people started applying for schools and my journalism teacher asked me, do you know what you're going to school for? And I was like, no. She said, do you know what you want to do with your life? And I'm like, well, I know I want to be in music, but what I want to be in music for, I don't know if you can go to school for that. Right. And she's like, well, I think you should be a journalist. And I was like, bitch, <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, I ended up going to community college. Well, actually, I ended up after high school, I went straight into working and I got a job at Neiman Marcus and I was making good bucks. Like, Class. I was making about 3000 a check. Right. <laughs> Upper echelon designer. <laughs> out the gate, I was selling Tom Ford bags at 18. Nope. I know that's right. Let me, let me start right. rapping. Wish I knew a booster. <laughs> um but yeah i was like 18 just i now they had me in the right department i was in sunglasses but you know you could work with people in different departments so i never force shit on people i was like yo either you like it or you don't if it's if you don't shit we'll, we'll still be here like because in my eyes the place that i was working at i could make like like i could sell five sunglasses five chanel sunglasses and be straight Mm -hmm. Like, so that's the way I used to think. Like, I don't need to rack up these crazy, like, like it's all right. So people liked working with me because I just, not working with me, but people like shopping with me because of my energy. As a matter of fact, one of my clients was Big Ange. May she rest in peace. Oh my God. That was one of, that was one of she was one of my clients. She used to faithfully you know how many times I ate off of just her alone? Like I love that. I gotta give that woman her flowers. 
Um, this really is drink champs because why big Ange? Like that came out of <laughs> No, uh, y'all wanted a drink champs episode. Y'all gonna get this child. Like yeah. this is what y'all asked for. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take a sip. Okay. For big ends, because she shot. definitely will come in. Yes, because she uh yeah, she used to come in and she used to spend a lot of money. And I, this was at the time where I didn't know she was fighting cancer. So she would come in there and just run up check. And in my head, I'm like, she probably was just in hindsight, she probably was just doing it because it's like, whatever, like niggas ain't got much time left, which is ball out. Like, I'm sure a lot of those things went to her daughter and her grandchild anyway. Um, but she used to come in there. Dion Warwick was a client of mine one time. Like, so I actually had like quite a few people who used to come in there and just shop. Um and I was making bank, but I was depressed because all of my friends, a lot of my friends went to HBCUs. So all of my friends were in college. All of my friends were attending football games and homecomings and worrying about exams. And here I was like showing like Dionne Warwick some designer scarves. <laughs> like I didn't, you know, I cared, but I didn't. Um, and my mom was like, well, why don't you just go back to school? So. I went back to school and um, I studied journalism for a year. I actually joined the magazine at my school and I wrote another really big piece in my life. Beyonce has been a, a big part of this and I, I didn't realize this until this conversation. Um, I wrote so a really big, always like, bitch, what the fuck? Let me find out. Um, <laughs> so I wrote this big piece this was after she did the Super Bowl. And I had wrote this piece about her and Kendrick Lamar. And I used Nina Simone as like artists defining their time. Like, you know, you can't be an artist and not reflect the times. And I used the Super Bowl performance and Kendrick Lamar as examples of that. And it got published in my school's magazine. But there was something again about me in school that just didn't connect. And so I would always go to school and then drop out. The longest I ever stayed in school was for a full year. And then when I was 20, yeah, when I was 20, I went through like a really rough patch. So one day I came home and just told my mom I was depressed. And she was like, mm. and I'm like, no, we ain't gonna do this. Basically, it was a very black mom <laughs> like thing, like, oh, you're not depressed. You just need to pray to God. I don't know. Um, long story short, I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder maybe about two weeks before my 21st birthday. So that was a really rough time for me. And I remember having like really bad manic episodes. And then when I was in my depressive states, I never knew how to get out of it. And the only thing that really would soothe me was looking up albums. So I would sit online all day. I didn't have a job. I wasn't in school. My dad was literally just taking care of me. So I would sit in online all day and just look up albums. And I grew up in a Jackson household. So I always knew about the Jacksons and Janet and Michael. But I never really remembered the Velvet Rope era. And I don't know if it, my mom did go to the show with my sister. And they have a photo of them there. And we did have the DVD in the house and the CD was in the house, but I don't ever really remember it. Like, I remember the All For You era. Like, that was like, 
But I, I never really remembered the Velvet Rope era. But then again, I was born in 97. So why would I? So I just remember going on Wikipedia and reading about the Velvet Rope era as a whole and being like, oh, wow, I didn't know this happened to Janet. Because even in the mainstream world, I remember this. And I know you guys remember it. When a lot of people would talk about Janet, they would always skip over the Velvet Rope album. Mm -hmm. It was always Janet all for you <laughs> like it was never, like it was like the velvet rope era did not exist yeah so so crazy to me too because i have my own janet stuff but well, it was because people felt like it was really raunchy and like the rolling stone cover people were just like oh my god like it's just so the same way people did christina aguilera during her ex tina era yeah. Yeah. They do that to women all the time, but some of the best music from those artists came out through transition. Mm -hmm. Like Christina Stripped is probably her best body of work all together to me. Janet Jackson's Rope is like at the top of the crop of her bajillion albums that are amazing. But they looked over like Rhythm Nation, like they looked over monumental, like groundbreaking portions of her career mm -hmm. just because she wanted to showcase a sexual side of her like womanhood. And that's not fair. Yeah. And I think it it had a I don't want to say it had a negative effect because now, of course, you know, 25 years later, it's this revered album and everybody loves it. But for me, as that 21 year old kid, I had I can only imagine if that was maybe shown to me or expressed to me a little bit earlier on. Mm -hmm. And I can't say that by 21, I didn't know about the album because I did when I was 12. Um, I had downloaded I Get Lonely off my mom's credit card and she got mad at me and took her credit card away from me on iTunes. Oh, um, <laughs> so I didn't know about the album, but I never knew about the era as a whole. Like I knew the album existed, but I never really knew about the era. I never really understood the themes on the album until you go through some things and you're like, oh, OK, like when you see your friend in a very violent relationship and she's mm -hmm. legit having bruises on her body then you understand what about when mm -hmm. you're legit turning to twitter to find friends because you have a hard time connecting with people offline you understand songs like empty um mm -hmm. you know when you're trying to understand your own sexuality and like okay well i know i find guys attractive but girls are kind of attractive too like then you start to <laughs> understand like she high. like hold on like so you start to understand like just when you start to experience things you understand music a little bit different especially an album like the velvet rope so at 21 i think if i can recall i think i had already did some threads by then i think i had did like one about the vmas where i literally did like the whole, like every single VMA performance I could find from like the 80s until I think 2016 I did. And then Twitter, tried, well, Universal tried to snatch my account. <laughs> oh my um, God. So I had to delete the whole thread. Yeah, they literally sent me like a cease and desist. Like they were like, ma'am, no. <laughs> like, so we, will, we will take your account and sue you. And sue yeah, you. Yeah, they told me that. They were like, we will sue you. Yeah, oh, we will sue you if you don't take this down. But I, it wasn't until I got you know, in the industry that I found out, it's because they don't even have like those tapes anymore. A lot of them are damaged or they've been completely erased. Mm. So when they find someone who has it, they're like, how the fuck do you have this? Because we could be getting paid money off of it. Right. <laughs> and you have it. <laughs> we don't. Um, we'll pay so yeah, once I found that out. 
Right. Like just give me the bread. But it instead of them, it's like they rather just snatch your account and snatch everything away from you instead of just being like, can I just pay you for it? Whatever. Um, so yeah, they were trying to snatch my account. So I had to delete that whole thread. And then I had to the thread about Hype Williams. And I did all the music videos he's ever directed. And because some of the music videos included songs from Universal, Universal came back again and was like, hey, ma'am, um, we'll take again. your account. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, okay, well, fuck you. So, but it was something about the Velvet Rope that I just felt really connected to. And by this point, I had became known on Twitter as like, I don't want to say I became known because I don't think I was known yet, but people just knew that I talked about music. So... I was like, well, let me just do a thread about the Velvet Rope because nobody was really doing threads, let alone about albums and in the way that I had envisioned it in my head. Um, Liner Notes was not a name I thought about. It literally came up to me as I was preparing the tweet. And I just did this really long thread about the whole album era the making of it, the tour, everything dealing with the Velvet Rope. And it gained a lot of traction. And I remember a lot of like industry folks following me, just like as far as like journalists, like people who had written for places that I couldn't even think of were starting to follow me. And I'll never forget somebody commented and said, you might want to get a website because BuzzFeed or someone's going to come and take your idea. So you mm. need to get a website going. No shade, <laughs> no shade but like they were right. So my family and I were going through a really bad financial time and I really didn't have the money for a website, but I begged my parents, like, I just need like a hundred dollars to make this work. 25 of that went towards me starting a Squarespace website. 50 of it went towards um, the photographer for my photo shoot for my website. And then the remaining money went to my friend to do my makeup for this photo shoot. And yeah, I think the first few articles I put up on my website, one was about the, not the 10th anniversary of, no, it was maybe like the 7th anniversary of, this was back in 2018. So whatever anniversary it was for Take Care, it was about that. So one was about the anniversary of that. I forgot what the other ones were about. But basically on the website, it had like my playlist. It had like some articles. I did a deconstructing of Take Care. And that was the first time where I have reached out to other people because it was so last minute. No, I actually didn't do a, a deconstruction of take care. What happened was a couple weeks later, it was the nothing was the same anniversary, I think, or it was something like that. But I, I remember nothing was the same. The anniversary was coming around. And I was like, damn, it's a little too late for me to write a piece on it. And my friend at the time was like, well, why don't you reach out to other people and just have them contribute to it? And you could be like the editor of it. You just overlook it. So I remember putting a tweet out being like, hey, um, if anybody wants to be a part of like nothing was the same, like I'm doing like a anniversary piece. You just get to write about how you feel about it. You pick a song and you write about it. And I think I got so many submissions for that album. Like I remember like my email was like in overload because people were just whether it was fans or actual journalists or people who just love music, they were just reaching out because they just wanted to write about that album. I think altogether, I put maybe 30 submissions in there, but I had more than that. So from nothing was the same deconstructing, I think I did the take care deconstructing. And then from the take care deconstructing, I did 
the velvet rope. But this time I allowed other people to be a part of it. Yeah. And then and the last us. one I yes, you guys were a part of it. Yeah. I also did write it art, but I never posted it. Just because similarly, I have like my very, very, very I'm getting triggered while you're telling your story. Cause a lot of these are parallels to like my entryway into all of this music shit. And my first newspaper piece, whatever you want to call it, was about rated R. Rated R is a classic. So. <laughs> I, don't, I don't fault you for writing about it. I would have wrote about it on the newspaper, the magazine, Twitter, like Facebook, whatever you needed. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm there with you. Um, I don't know why I didn't put that rated R. To be honest with you, I don't think people understood how overwhelming deconstructing was. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, if I don't tell it in a linear way, my mind going to end up all over the place. So I think the last deconstructing I did was Michael Jackson's history. Mm. Um, do I have a favorite deconstructing? Oh no, that's not true. The last deconstructing I did after history was Jay Z's American Gangster because that was the one where I did a documentary with it. I did like like I did a whole rollout with that one. I don't have a favorite deconstructing. I'm a I have a Virgo rising, so I always am very Beyonce when it comes to my work. So I always feel like it can be better. <laughs> That's why we didn't get them. But, I'm sick of y'all. <laughs> oh my God. He cannot get past the lack of visual. <laughs> because it wasn't perfect. And even if to, it's done, it's not perfect. I'm about to make my own. <laughs> I'm just going to shoot my own music video. You let me know when you want to drop yours. <laughs> like, right. Someone has to do it. <laughs> I don't have a favorite one because I felt like they all could have been better. But I don't think people understood how overwhelming it was because I was picking the albums. I was assi- not assigning because I always allowed people to choose what songs they wanted. But ultimately, I was overlooking the whole. Oh, no, that's a lot. Wait, I forgot one. I also did Diddy's Last Train to Paris. Huh. I think I did that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You did. I remember the Last Train to Paris, John. Oh shit! Yeah, I did do that. Okay, yeah. So, oh, but, like, but that was before. She's mm-hmm. naming the albums. I don't know if y'all the. understand. Like, <laughs> Last Train to Paris, Rated R, Michael Jackson's History, Janet Jackson's Velvet Rope, Drake's Take Care. Like, these are albums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> albums, literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I actually like the Last Train to Paris one. Now that I think about it. I say I don't have a favorite one, but I, I really like that. And I think I liked it because no one ever really talked right. about it. Yeah. It's so so like, it was like I was, was a rare thing. And then the guy who shot the cover art for it, he got mad at me because I didn't interview him. So that was very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't think people understood how overwhelming it was handling deconstructing. And also, I was working in the medical field during all of this. So it was kind of hard being at work. I would literally be at work checking patients out and getting annoyed with the patients because they were interrupting me while I was editing. So they would be like, okay, like it would be somebody with their like 80 something year old grandma. Like, okay, she has to come back next week. And I'm like, okay, girl, just let me know. Okay. What, like, what day, huh? <laughs> Sorry, granny. She ain't mean it. Yeah. I didn't mean it, Nana, but like, I was just like, okay, girl, when she got to come back, huh? Like, or if a patient would call and I don't know where my medication. Okay, girl. Well, where did you like? Like, I would get annoyed. 
That is hilarious. This is why they tell y'all to follow your dreams and <laughs> stay in the Thanks. path you want to be in. Because I know I've made a lot of experiences bad for a couple people. But I just, I had to pay my bills until my dreams could pay them. So mm-hmm. I had to do that. But I was so angry because I was spending all day being in this office that I didn't want to be in dealing with stuff that I didn't want to have to deal with when all I wanted to do was write and talk about music. So deconstructing became really overwhelming because I just didn't really have the bandwidth for it. And then when I tried to revamp it, it just didn't go the way I imagined it. I just, I was trying to build out a team and do documentaries with the articles and it was, but it was just a lot, you know, it was really overwhelming. So I just stopped doing it. Like I'm a firm believer. If you don't want to do it anymore, you ain't got it. So I just stopped doing it. (laughs) Like I just stopped like, nope, I don't want to do this no more. So that's the beauty of it being something that's like inherently yours, right? Like it's from your platform. It's from all of your doing. It's your socialist, your intellectual Mm -hmm. property. You can stop when you want. You can take, Mm -hmm. let's Let's take a break. We'll be right back. And that's the way I viewed it. I never viewed it like I was walking away from deconstructing. I just did, couldn't do it at the time. Mm-hmm. And I always had visions of coming back to it. And it's weird because it's the one concept that even now with me working for a company, I'm trying to find a way to incorporate it in the plans that we're currently discussing under a new regime. So I'm still trying to find a way to do it because it's still something that I love. I just didn't have the time nor finances to do it at that time. Mm-hmm. Now. My career is so different. Again, I don't have the time. (laughs) So (laughs) um, either way, I didn't have the time, but then it was like I needed my job. Now I have the time to write, but everything I'm writing is for bigger things, you know? So one day. Things. One day. Things. Um, (laughs) But so I'll wrap it up here just in because you guys might want to ask questions about once it gets more career driven. So, <laughs> cause we're not even in my career yet. <laughs> this is still me just bullshitting. <laughs> so I, I said, fuck writing deconstructing. And I went to mortuary school. I was going to embalm bodies. Phaedra? What a pivot um, friend. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting the story to go that way. <laughs> Come on. What was Come the on, what was <laughs> what yeah, was home Willie Willie something? Willie Watkins. <laughs> Willie Watkins down West End. Child, we got Phaedra on the podcast today, everybody. I love Oh it. my God. <laughs> Not Faye Faye. <laughs> Who did so, the bodies? It was Kia. It Ooh. was me. Come on, bodies by Kia. Oh my God. Bodies so I don't know what triggered it for me. I don't know if it was because it was the pandemic. I don't know if it was because I had lost my uncle during the pandemic. Mm. And we were trying to figure out because he died up here in Jersey, but Jersey was real strict. Like the funeral homes were like, if they didn't die from COVID, then we can allow like eight people to come in. But everybody else just kind of got to basically watch it from a live stream. And we have a very big immediate family. So we were like, nah, we all need to be in one room. Like, we all got to be with each other. So the only 
place that would allow us to do that is Atlanta, Georgia. So (laughs) luckily we have family down in Atlanta. So we shipped his body down to Atlanta, but he was in the morgue for so long. He was gray. So I remember us all getting there and looking at him being like, okay. So I don't know if y'all on TikTok, but have y'all seen that TikTok where you was like, don't worry, I can do it. I just need a toolbox and a something, 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 and I can get this shit open right now. I hate that. I've seen that. <laughs> yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. So that was me. I was like, okay, go to Walgreens, get me this, that, and the third. I can make this happen. And I did his makeup for the casket. I mean, he was getting cremated, but I made him look like, you know, look like something. And I remember like my sleep. Aunt, you know, black people like when you look sleep. Yeah, he looked like he was just sleeping. Like that's the <laughs> So, I, no, like black people just always playing. Like, why we gotta? He looked like he was just asleep. We so silly. Um, like, we <laughs> gotta get more serious about stuff, black. <laughs> I don't want to say I did the body, but I did his makeup. And my aunt was like, "You should go to mortuary school." So I was like, "All right." So I enrolled into mortuary school while I was working a tech job. So literally from like 11 to 8 p.m. every day, Monday through Friday, I was on my tech job working from home. But then I would have classes Monday, Tuesday and Thursday from like 4 p.m. until literally like 10 p.m. So I would have two laptops up in my room and be like and I was still living at home at the time because this is. 2020 pandemic so shit was kind of my french but like i would have my work laptop i would have my school laptop and i would have the school laptop up and you just hear my professor like so when you go inside of the house to remove the body the first thing we're going to do is go in and check around the house to make sure there are no animals there are no objects laying around we have to check the room to make sure that it is in a condition where we can remove the body safely and so you're hearing that but then on one end it's like Kia, can you please compute the data from earlier today? And I'm just Crazy. like, okay. And my friend, my Keisha at the time, this is when Clubhouse was like popping because it felt exclusive. It was like, you know, for people who weren't around for the for Clubhouse days, but most of y'all niggas probably were. It was Soho House, but audio. <laughs> <laughs> for real, you got to stop being funny. <laughs> Was it not like Soho House? Like, I the only thing is you was. didn't have to pay. Stephanie, no, I have a very difficult and seated past with Clubhouse. But yes, <laughs> she's not wrong. That's exactly what it was. Yikes. You just didn't have to pay rent. That was it. So um my Keisha had a, my friend my Keisha had a show on Clubhouse. And it started off as a joke, but it was called Pussy Rap and All of That. And um Jeez. she had Lodja part of it uh if you guys follow not Lodja on Twitter mm. um and then she had Robin Mowat on there Robin's a staff writer at okay player and I knew Lodja and of course I knew my Keisha I just didn't know Robin so one day uh my Keisha said to me I'm gonna start structuring it like a real show and I was like okay girl go ahead girl because I had tapped in once or twice but just as a friend so I was like, oh, that's really dope. You're going to structure it as a real show. Oh, congrats. Like, best of luck with that. She said, well, I need your help. I'm like, what's up? She's like, I need you to do a deconstruction. I'm like, of what? She's like, okay, do you want me to choose the songs or you choose them? I said, my Keisha, just give me the songs and I'll deconstruct them. She's like, okay, fine. So I think she gave me, I think she gave me Salt and Pepper. Let's talk about sex. Oh, baby. 
And Love she gave me. What was the other song? Oh, and she gave me Meg the Stallion's uh was it Tina Snow? It was some song like from like that Tina Snow era. I can't remember what it An was. An iconic era. Wish we could go back. Oh, man, what a time to be alive. Truly. <laughs> I was waiting for Stephanie to chime in because the doll ain't left Tina Snow era. Listen, live left either. Okay. If I knew Megan, what I knew, Megan I knew hasn't left. left. Quiet as kept. That's true. Mm. Wow. So I came on the little clubhouse room and I did the deconstructing. And I remember her inviting me back to do another one. So I came back. I did another one. Then one day she said, Kia, I need you to hop on real quick. And mind you, I'm in the middle of class, but I'm also in the middle of working. So I'm like, yes, my Keisha. <laughs> and I used to, so literally it's like I had one laptop up for school on speaker. Then I had my work laptop up. Then I would have these headsets on connected to my work laptop. So I'm sitting there typing on like two laptops and I'm like <laughs> hitting my phone. Like, yes, my Keisha. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm looking like a little nerd. Just, yes. She's like, I need you to deconstruct Foxy Brown and Lil' Kim's beef. And I Ooh. said, you want me to write that? She said, no, I need you to hop on right now and do it. I said, girl, okay. <laughs> so I'm literally like, text, I like hit my boss. I'm like, give me 15 minutes, boom. I emailed my professor real quick. Give me 15 minutes, boom. Hopped on Clubhouse. I have never deconstructed a beef faster in my life. Like I was just like <laughs> top from bottom, boom, 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 boom. So everybody was like, damn, how do you know that? I said, Nick, like, and my Keisha was just like, she's a walking music encyclopedia. She is. And I was like, oh, wow. Damn. Okay. That was very nice of you to say that. Like, okay. And then the next day she asked me, she was like, can you be a part of it? And I was like, yeah, sure. Of course. And that's how I became a part of Pussy Rap and all of that. And then long story short from there, we decided to brand out Pussy Rap and all of that to become more of a larger platform. My Keisha worked for OK Player. She still works for OK Player, but she was working for OK Player. And she was like, well, I can pitch my boss something if y'all come up with the idea. And I said, well, you know, there's never been a list of pussy rap albums. Like, if you think of mm -hmm. a subgenre named pussy rap, outside of Little Kim's Hardcore, what are the albums that go underneath there? And they was like, oh, damn, OK. So let's put together a canon of albums that if you're listening to pussy rap, this is what you think of. She pitched it to her editor. He liked it. We wrote it. That was my very first byline. And then from there, Robin connected me with Demos, who's the editor at, well, he, he was the editor at the time at OK Player. He still works for OK Player. He's just not on the edit, like, editor side anymore. But he, uh, she connected me with him. And that's basically how I went from being that bitch to whatever I am now. The bitch. Hello. Okay. <laughs> and shout out to Robin, too. Hey, Rob. Yeah, I'm sure she that's would. A dope story, and it really speaks to the way that you know how that saying of like your gifts make make space for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, like that story really, really put that like little country grandma saying in in action because you really stayed true to like what you wanted to do. You were clear on what your gifts were, what you were good at, and just like just kept pumping that's one thing about you and like when we would talk like offline it's just like yo just keep pumping you just kept going you know what I mean it was so many times where you was over it wanted to stop but you just kept going and now like now you're here talking to the legends child I guess 
I just it's weird because there's he is always so humble. Very, very. <laughs> I, I, I guess because like I just, I think I kept going because I had no other choice. Right. I think my love for what I do, despite whatever obstacles are in my way, will always outweigh that. So, even when I would have moments where I'm like, I don't want to do this. I'm done. Fuck these niggas. Nobody's paying attention. This, that, and the third. I would go on Twitter and be like, y'all niggas ain't right. Like, what the fuck y'all niggas talk about? Like, it would always be something that would make me go like, like, I don't know if y'all ever seen The Godfather 3, but mm-hmm. that scene when um, Al Pacino was like, every time I walk away, they just keep pulling me back. Like, that's kind of <laughs> how I felt. Like, every time I would walk away, there was something that was like, um, bitch, the fuck? Like, so... Word to change my love for it. It's just always my love for it. Yeah. And it really shows through when you do the spaces. I was able to listen into the Brian Michael Cox one with the vision, the music one, which I'm still like not over. <laughs> um, and you know, on top of the knowledge, just your passion just makes your interviewing style like really intriguing and it's really like oh my god what you about to pull out of these people next like the stories that you can pull out of artists are so <laughs> crazy like I, me and my friends were offline and we were talking about how like music was so like giddy and like laughing and joking with you he do not do that at all he don't his interview with Questlove or Questlove podcast had me so sad like I left that episode so sad. I hate. I never watched it. Was it oh. was it video or just audio? It was audio, and it was it was just terrible in terms of he just sounded so sad, so hurt, so broken, mm-hmm. so disinterested, so just it was, mm. it was sad. Like he just sounded so sad, and it was kind of like they didn't even know how to even continue to ask questions because. One thing, music is super transparent. Like he was telling you all his business, but I think that I think that the way you, because he felt your passion, you know what I'm saying, through the audio, that he just was able to, I don't know, like feel lighter and just like the fact that he was on there giggling and laughing. I was like, yo, this is crazy because he do not (laughs) be on this type of time. Like literally, he was on Questlove talking about like. Yeah, I don't even like none of them songs. I don't fuck with none of them songs. But then when you would talk about them, he'd be like, you know, they weren't my favorite, but I see how they make other people feel and that makes me feel good. You know what I mean? That like, mm-hmm. That's the part. And the fact that you can dive into his deep cuts, you had awareness of his last two albums, which are Grammy nominated. But everybody Period. that's talking about the Grammys are popularity concert contest. The two albums that all y'all shaded um, were Grammy nominated and you were able to speak to those albums too. And I think that shows like your real love for music and that's why he was able to really open up and be so warm and be so engaging you know what i'm saying yeah Mm -hmm. i think that quest love interview for me it showed me you can love an artist with all your might right like you as a fan it can be the number one person in your life their music that got you through this that and the third 
but they might not necessarily feel their love on a grand scale from fandom or from mm-hmm. people or from their peers. So when they talk to people that they kind of came up with in the industry, it's one conversation. But to talk to somebody who is as credentialed as you are, but also as a fan and has a love for music and is still listening to artists that may feel like they don't really have the same type of fan base anymore, that means something to them. So they're going to let their guard down, be themselves, be more normal and watching you do that over and over again with everybody that you've been able to like gather is so rewarding to see because it's missing it really is because mm-hmm. artists don't even have a place to go to talk about their music no more like mm-hmm. every outlet is just in their business mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you know what i'm saying well i Okay, so I guess this will be a good like stretch into the second half of my career. But like I remember like when I was when I first started like freelancing for OK Player, like Dimas had gave me some bullshit interview. No shade to the girl, but it was bullshit. And I think he just wanted to see my interviewing style. And after that, he said, Oh, I got an interview for you. And I was like, What? And he's like, Jim Jones. And I'm like, gas, because I'm like, oh my god, I like dipset, Jim Jones. Ah. And um, I remember doing the interview with him. And I remember it being on Zoom and him having the camera on, and he was rolling a blunt as we were doing the interview. And it changed instantly something in me because I'm like, oh, so that's what time he's on. And I just set out my mouth, well, damn, if I knew that, I would have rolled mine. You say, yo, pull your shit out. I'm like, Like, I'm going to be honest with you. I got to go cop. And we did the interview. And I remember saying, can I ask you about something that has nothing to do with this project? He's like, what's up? I'm like, can I ask you about G's up? And a smile kind of came in his face. And he's like, G's up. And I was like, hose down. He's like, that bitch can't swim. She going drown. And we like finished each other's like, and I remember like Dimas listening back to the audio and going, oh, like it clicked for him that like, I have an ability to build a connection with artists and I'm not quite sure where it comes from. I think maybe because I'm a Pisces and Pisces are like chameleons in a sense. So so I think maybe that's it. I'm able to just, I can adjust on people's energy, but I think I also, my dad and my mom were always big on throwing parties. And so they have this hostess spirit about them. My dad is always like, if you're going to do something, you got to make people feel comfortable. So that's always been a big thing for me, whether it's me with my friends, me throwing a party, me interviewing people. I need to make sure you're comfortable because if you're not, then I'm not. Um, And it really started with that gym interview. And when we got to the Twitter space thing, at the time, Demos was our acting editor-in-chief. We have a new one now who's our permanent editor-in-chief, but Demos was the acting one until we got one. And... I had all these brand ideas for what I wanted to do. And he was like, man, we don't have the money for it. Da, 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 da. So I'm like, okay, it's understandable. I'm like, but I need to get my shit off. Like, like there's people <laughs> I want to interview who it may not work for editorial because they don't have anything new out or because, you know, whatever, but I need to speak to them. And he's like, so what do you want to do? I'm like, all right, well, I'm gonna do a Twitter space. Like, fuck it. Like, you're not going to stop me. So, <laughs> so, and he says that about me, like, he, like, your spirit, you're very, you're an ambitious spirit, Kia. He tells me that a lot. You're very ambitious, Kia. And I know that, but nobody, so what? Ain't nobody gonna say nothing to me, nah, nah, nah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so um, all the division conversation was happening with if I get caught. We all were like, what the fuck is this? 
So I had made a post. What did I make a post about? Oh, I made a post of all the tweets that people were saying. And Brian Michael Cox commented. And something just told me, like, maybe I should DM him. So on the OK Player page, I'll be talking to everybody. Like, I have a little friendship with Erica Badu now. Me and her be chatting in DMs. Like, she'll send me some stuff about spirituality. Like, it's to the point where, like, one morning I woke up and Demos was like, your friend is looking for you in DMs. And I was like, who the fuck looking for me? <laughs> and I went on the OK Player DMs and Erica was like, Kia, I sent you something. And then it was, like, up at the top, like, this video about bottle trees like down south like the the bottles that they put on trees and stuff like that mm-hmm. and I was like oh thanks Erica like that was sweet <laughs> thank you for informing me about that like so I just be in the DM talking to everybody because who the fuck gonna stop me so I was like let me just DM Brian and see if he would want to do a Twitter space so I DM'd him like hey my name's Kia we're a okay player um just reaching out because you know I would like to sit and talk with you like let's see what's up this man gave me his phone number and I was like, uh, because I'm like, you're not gonna give me an email, you're not gonna give me like a publicist email, you're just gonna give me a phone number. So I just remember texting him and be like, yo, so what you wanna when you wanna do this? I'm like, I don't know when you wanna do this. Like, and he was like, we can do this whenever. And we did it. And then I think uh maybe like 10 minutes before, no, I want to say about 30 minutes before we were supposed to do the Twitter space with Brian Michael Cox. I DM Daniel from Division. I was like, hey, can you hop on this Twitter space? That he hit me back like, yeah, I can hop on. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. So <laughs> I got my dream team together. And from there, it was like, I remember just our CEO being like, this is good. Like, this is <laughs> like, like, I don't know what she's doing, but this is good. And everybody was like, so we can actually do this now? Like, because nobody had ever attempted to do a Twitter space for OK Player. Mm-hmm. So everybody in the the next meeting was like whatever kia did we want to do like we want it like so it kind of broke a mold because it made people feel like at the company okay so i don't have to sit here and wait for somebody to tell me what to do and i'm mm-hmm. like i damn sure don't be sitting here waiting for nobody to tell me what to do i'm gonna just do what the fuck i gotta do like <laughs> i don't care so after brian michael cox and dan and division we um i took a break because I had a lot of other stuff I had to work on for the company. But then I wanted to get back to things, but I felt like it was only right that I do Jermaine Dupree right after him. Um, mm. And I got in touch with Jermaine's publicist. And Jermaine was kind of like trying to play me at first. I said, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh He know my godfather. Tell him my godfather's name. So I told him, the publicist my godfather's name to tell Jermaine. And literally the next day he said, Jermaine wants to do it on Wednesday. No, I think it was Tuesday. <laughs> He was like, Jermaine wants to do it on Tuesday. I said, oh, okay, thank you. Like, I hate being that person, but sometimes I got to dig in my little nepotism bag and be like, absolutely. Uh, Black nepotism <laughs> is lit. I you work for every nepotism. other fucking race and nationality, creed, kind, and walk of life. Do what you got to do. Mm-mm. I was just like, see, now you're going to make me, I don't even need to go in this bag, but let me do that for you because you're trying to play. Like, and he was just like, yeah, Jermaine wants to do it on Tuesday. So then we did Jermaine. I did not think Jermaine was going to sit on there for three hours. That man sat on there for three hours and 47 minutes. And I I, I was on a plane for the whole time it was going. It was literally Good. a Drink Champs episode. Like, to get, first of all, a lot of people don't even get 30 minutes with Jermaine Dupree. I got three hours and 47 minutes. I was like, 
what the fuck? And then his publicist was like, oh my God, Jermaine had so much fun. And I was like, oh, look at that. Like, I even got him to answer about Janet. And I was a little weary about that too. Cause I was like, should I ask him? I was like, fuck, let me ask. I was like, I got to ask you about Janet. And he was like, what you want to ask about Janet? I was like, well, what was it like working with Janet? Don't do like that. Don't be like that. I know she was your girlfriend, whatever. He was just like, well, you know. And he was honest. He said that, you know, Janet was like, yo, you produce all these hits for everybody else. Why can't you produce a hit for me? I'm your girl. But he felt like she had this career and this bond with Jimmy and Terry that he didn't want to come in and disrupt that like being the boyfriend that's just coming in and being like all right well I'm a producer my girl like but he also didn't want to fuck something up like he didn't want to give her some beats that he felt like worked for her but then in the grand scheme of things wouldn't because a lot of people are very critical of Jermaine's work with Janet so I think and I was one of those people so (laughs) I think he was aware of that but Janet wasn't and he was honest about that he was like I don't think she saw it the way I saw it, which was, I don't think I should be in your music, but she wanted, like, she in her head, it was like, you giving everybody else a hit, why can't you give me a hit? Where my head so, at, nigga? Basically. <laughs> Where my head at, nigga, is funny. <laughs> so, he was just really honest, and then with Music Soul Child, I remember the deal was he would do the Twitter space, but I had to do an editorial piece about the 20th anniversary of Just Listen. So when we hopped on our Zoom call, I don't think everybody knew that we had hopped on a Zoom call earlier that day. So when we spoke earlier that day, at first he was a little apprehensive with me. Like he was being honest, but it was very, I don't want to say dry. It was just very like, I asked the question, well, like he just would give an answer. And what broke the mold for our conversation was we started talking about half crazy. And I told him like, you know, I'm dating this dude, right? I was like, well, I'm not dating him, but I want to date him. And he was like, huh? I'm like, okay, look. So I started explaining (laughs) my whole like love life situation to him. And we spent 30 minutes of him just giving me advice. And from there, (laughs) and from there, it kind of loosened things up because he was even like, I don't tell everybody this. He's like, but this is the true story behind Half Crazy. He made me promise that I would never tell who the woman was. But <laughs> he is still cool with the woman. And he said he checked on her recently because um, she had some shows coming up. And he checked on her. And, you know, they still cool. They still friendly. Um, but he felt comfortable enough because I was able to just be open with him. But the same thing happened when I interviewed G Herbo. I'm like, your story reminds me a lot of my cousins because I had two cousins who were shot and killed together Mm. and I had to go to a double funeral. And he's like, fuck. He like, damn. So then we started having this conversation back and forth and we're damn near about to cry with each other because he could relate to the pain that I went through. Mm -hmm. Like my, one of my really good friends was shot and killed by her boyfriend. You know, I had two cousins that were shot and killed together. And I had to go to that double funeral. I've had my cousin literally was an ex-gang member. He had changed his life. He walked in the corner store. Somebody walked up on him and shot him right in the back of his head. And so the fact that I was able to open up to him about that, he felt more comfortable talking to me. I mean, mm-hmm. G. Herbert was comfortable in general, but he was more comfortable because he's like, you get it. Or even like Freddie Gibbs, when I was like, I had told him I had suffered from bipolar disorder. And he was like, damn, you do. 
He's like, you seem normal. I'm like, nigga, because you having a five minute conversation from, with me. <laughs> he started laughing. I'm like, but you seem normal right now to me on the phone. But then every day is something new with you. And he's like, I'm just a crazy ass Gemini. And then we had a conversation from there about Rick James and Richard Pryor and about, you know, the duality between these public figures who are in a certain way, I guess, quote unquote, geniuses, but they have these sides to themselves where they literally or figuratively will light themselves on fire. And I Mm -hmm. said to Freddie, I said, in a way, you're like Richard Pryor, where you like lighting yourself on fire. And he's like, damn, I like the way you put that. You make me sound like I do something. (laughs) I'm crying. You do. You do. So I think that's the thing that kind of plays a role in it is just that I have no problem telling them like, nigga, this is what the fuck I be going through. (laughs) This is what I deal with. And I can relate to you on that level. And so for them, they get it. I'm so proud of you. For real. For real. Me. I'm a nobody. Nah, because like. I don't know. Being able to break that that wall with people is definitely a talent. And it's something that we don't see anymore in media, right? Like outside of the podcast, I work in media. I would love to be like the coolest and best dressed VJ on the Grammys one day, whatever. I dress better than Terrence J. It's cool. But like <laughs> that gift, that skill, that is something that separates you and pulls you apart from the rest of the girls. So it's it's interesting, rewarding, and like overall good to see that you are succeeding in doing that. And like you said, you have a renegade spirit. You're just going to do what you want to anyway. And you have been continually rewarded for that. And that's really heartwarming to see, especially with a platform like this, where we in that same vein, we just be, we be cussing, we be drinking wine, smoking hookah, like all of that on the podcast, eating, and people still vibe with it. So it's good to know that we're not alone and it also Mm -hmm. can become an even bigger thing just by being yourself people actually do care about music you know what i mean i feel like in the last few years it kind of started to feel like people don't actually care about music in like a nerdy way Mm -hmm. but the numbers that you be putting up in them spaces confirm to the world to these platforms to the people that are holding the purse strings that content like this still matters to a group of people. Yeah. There's still at the core of it all has to be a love for what you do. And I think that's why I have the difference between the Twitter space and the editorial, because for editorial, I'm able to just be that person who's only interviewing the high profile names and the this, that, and the third. But then for my Twitter space, then I can interview people like the Music Soul Childs. Then I can interview the division, then I can, I can interview whoever, because it's like, it's an open forum for you to just discuss music. Whereas when you're in the editorial space, there is this need for, we need clicks. We need this, Mm -hmm. we need that. And it's unfortunate, but like somebody like a Brian Alexander Morgan, he's not going to bring necessarily a whole bunch of clicks to site, but for the music lovers who love what the work he's done, especially the work he's done with SWV, maybe yep. they'll gravitate towards that Twitter space. You know what I'm saying? Right. So oh, we'll I try there when it happens. But that's not the next one. <laughs> Are you uh, able it's to her tell life, us yeah. what the next one is? Can we get a little, <laughs> a little sneak peek? That little villain laugh that she did. <laughs> somebody good. I know it is. 
I believe he's y'all alum. Bitch. Oh. Ain't when he that drama y'all alum? He sure he is. is. <laughs> he sure is. Look, Clark Atlanta is two for four at this point because Brian Michael Cox is the Clark too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, DJ Drama. I love that. I think Drama went to my high school too. So it's giving my twin brother. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's the Philly ATL Connect. But yeah, we locked in. Shout out to the affiliates. (sighs) Yes, we locked in Drama, child. So that's going to be the weekend after. Well, I don't know. By the time it's come out, whatever. Y'all gonna know when it's when it's out. But um, yeah, so we got drama next. Really excited about that one because yes. I feel like, you know, Brian Michael Cox, granted, that's you could say it's hip hop and R and B, but that's R and B. Jermaine Dupree, you could say it's hip hop and R and B, but you know, and then Music Soul Child, that's R and B all the way. So I wanted someone just hip hop, like someone who doesn't even, it's not about crossing a line or a barrier. They are legit, strictly hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, and drama has had such a great, like, two years of just, yeah. like, the whole Tyler, the Creator project and Everything. that winning a Grammy. And Everything. now he has all of these DJ drama tapes that are, re- you know, resurgencing, coming out. He just dropped one with Jeezy. I think he has one where Iceware Bezo coming out. Um, I know Larry I'm June is working banging on the one, one with Lakia. He had one with Lakia. So it's like, he really is having this really large resurgence and it's just really dope to see. And he's another one like Jermaine where he likes to sit there and talk all day. So this is going to be really exciting. I get to like tap into that. Like he was there when Atlanta was Atlanta before trap. He was Mm -hmm. there when, you know, in Philly, when the roots was getting their thing together. So he was just, He's like a Forrest Gump in a sense, where he's kind of been everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> every era. Yeah, you know. So I and then of course to break down the Gangsta Grill series and talk about, you know, the one with Wayne and the one with Jeezy and the one with Pharrell and da-da-da-da. Like I'm really, I'm really excited about that one. I think the the I think the streets will come out for that one. Absolutely. I love that. Well, as we wrap up, my final question to you is. What or who are you most excited about in music right now? Mm, that's a great question. I'm really excited about Coco Jones. <laughs> um, <laughs> her tone is is unmatched. Yeah, I'm really excited about Coco. I think she has like the most potential out of all the like the little R and B girlies that yeah. call themselves coming out like she yeah. has the personality she has the vocals she's talented she's beautiful um and she has like this mysterious like thing to her that i kind of miss with like the r&b girlies like she's not too out there like you see her but you really don't know what the fuck is going on like even the windows photos of her and brent Fayez was going around everybody's like oh my god girl like so yeah mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm really excited about coco um, my homie Ye Ali, he just dropped his project and I'm really excited for him. Just I want him to get more songwriting opportunities, more production opportunities, but also giving him a chance to, you know, really expand as far as his palette goes. Hmm. I like Amber Mark. I don't know if you guys are into Amber oh, Mark. Oh, we stand uh, Amber Mark over here. That is my daughter. daughter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really like her. Um, I think she had one of the best R&B projects this year. 
to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So for sure. I, I would like to see her get, you know, just a little bit more of a push out there. I know it's kind of hard for some of the R&B girlies, but um, and India Sean too. I actually saw caught um her our show at Into the Kids. Love India. That's our friend in real life and our friend to the kids. Yeah. yeah, I caught her show at SOBs. First of all, she's just a fucking sweetheart, but um, just so just an ethereal energy. But um, yeah, I caught her show at SOBs and she's just captivating. And it would be nice to see her on more of a larger kind of platform. So Bizarre. yeah, I think I think the girls are doing what they need to do. It's just the guys that have me a little bit like eek, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Eek. Yeah, Amber Mark, I really, I went to her tour um, for Three Dimensions Deep this year, and I was shocked at how few Black fans she seems to have based on being at my show, and then she was doing a lot of content at all her stops, and I'm like, where are the Black people at? Because Mama sings. Mm-hmm. And she's a cute Black girl, so my like my mission in life is to get Black people on her line because she deserves yeah yeah and it kind of sucks because like you know i i want to write about whatever i want to write about but i also know that like our platform is shifting more towards hip-hop so i mean still r&b like we'll still cover r&b we'll still give platforms to r&b artists like but i think all signs are kind of pointing to like the rap 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 and all the opportunities that be presented my way are like for the the rap kids so um excuse me i'm trying to focus more on that but she's definitely someone who like hey amber if you're listening like more than welcome to come through the okay player offices and, you know and the guys, shit. chat with us yeah come through here <laughs> like just come through anywhere <laughs> come just come through just like pull up. just pull up so yeah th- those are really like the people that i'm like looking at right now that's a Really cute segue too. Like we usually do our now plan in the beginning, but I guess we can venture off and do it here. So Stephanie, what else are you listening to too? Oh my God. Um, I've been like thinking about how to answer this question because I have been all over the place lately. I just been making like on the run playlists, but I will tell y'all what I listened to last night because I had a homie over and he I was like, what vibe you feeling? And he was like, something like chill, like a wave. So I'm like, okay. So the wave, it started with Kindred, the Family Souls, If I, mm. and then uh, at some point we get to like Mac Airs, and then we got to Kimbra, um, then it went to um, Floetry Closer. So I don't know, I just feel like I've been listening to a lot of old music, and that baby face still got me by the throat, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> we three episodes away from the release of Babyface, and we still listening to it as a family. Listen, the Babyface album just really did something. Like, he he did his big one, so I'm definitely still listening to that. But otherwise, just mixing up a bunch of, like, old older stuff. Um, Oh, I did tap into this week the most recent music from baby rose and she had a song with um georgia muldrow which i think is i love anything intergenerational so i love that song i love the other song um, i think it's called go that's also a part of a little two-part project and Destin conrad's new project is really good like i had some notes for the last project but 
I don't I don't think I have any notes this go around. I love he that. Did thing. <laughs> you know the girls will trap drum me to death, but he definitely oh. has really, really dope production mm-hmm. and um different like music that just felt different on this project. So I'm really, really enjoying it. Yeah. I have uh, a mix between y'all because I'm definitely listening to Coco Jones. I kind of can't stop. Yeah, I see you supremacy. I do want to say that. I think that I see you is probably one of the best traditional R&B songs to come out in the past three, four years. I see you as life-changing. And I like that she shows versatility on the album. Like She makes some of the music that the other girls make, but she does it a little bit better than them. And I think that if it's too many girls out, because some people complain about that, they can't keep up with the music. Well, let's just replace one of them with her. Like, I think that it's fine. That's something that I want to see happen. She's everything. I watch her on Bel Air. Like, I love her. Everything that Kia said about the semi-mysteriousness, like, you don't really know what it's given. But she alludes to dating somebody in the industry on some interviews that she's been down to the radio station for. Like, I'm tracking her. Like, I like her a lot. Destin Conrad, y'all know I'm a fan. Been listening to him from Jump. Soon as I realized he was the same little boy from Vine and was also making music and writing for Kehlani, I was just like, who is this man? And he be talking about niggas and like, I vibe with that. So like, it's a whole thing. His his new project is really good. I'm really listening to Satin, like hardcore. Satin is the name of the project, but my favorite song right now on there is Daydream because I be daydreaming. Like Daydream is problem daydream is such a good song i put it on my story earlier today for no reason it was a video of me laughing and daydreaming in the background like daydreaming on 10 i was like wait a minute and it's a video for on 10 too oh let me get that's like his lead single but him and coco jones as far as newer projects that have been released i keep revisiting life of a dawn by don toliver like it's not no other rappers out i don't know why <laughs> I can't wait for Life of a Don too. Like I just need more Travis Scott, more Don Tolliver, more of that type of energy in my earphones at all times. So I guess I kind of been all over the place too, but definitely Coco, definitely Destin. Um, what else? Oh, I've revisited Ari's first full-length LP into her new one. And it's just like. Watching the girls grow up and mature, like, uh, she released them tickets. It took me three tries to get them. She sold out DC like a crazy person. I love that. It's an exciting time for music. Yeah, it really, really is. So anybody saying R&B is struggling, R&B is doing whatever, the music not lasting, the devil is alive, the truth ain't in you, because we over here having a ball down to the sites. <laughs> nah, that's no a lie. fact. No lies. No lie, no lie, no lie. Yeah, yeah. I miss that song. <laughs> How can people keep up with you? Um, well, you guys can follow me on Twitter and or Instagram. Um, Twitter probably makes the most sense because I'm actually way more active on Twitter than Instagram. Um, both are chasing Kia, so chasing like you're legit chasing someone and Kia K-I-A. Um, outside of that. Ooh, excuse me. Outside of that, you can find, you know, a lot of my stuff on OK Player. But like I said, like if you're following me on Twitter or Instagram, then you'll see my work. So you'll be able to like tap and be like, oh, she has a Twitter space. Or, oh, she wrote this. So that's like the best way to like tap in with me. Um, yeah, because those are the only things I have going on. So <laughs> I love that. Follow the call. 
Not follow the doll. (laughs) (laughs) This is doll world. If you come on the cast, you are a doll. It is doll world. Yes. (laughs) So, you know, like you said, we're like super, super, super proud of you. And just like happy that we've been able to kind of like stand in the wings as you've been like ascending and standing in your epicness. And we're just excited for what you're going to do next. Like, not putting any pressure on you, but we're just saying that we're excited for all the things that are coming your way. And, you know, thanks for stopping by and hollering at the kids. Right. We really appreciate you. It was such a good one. Yeah, no, I was definitely going to do this. Like I said, you know, a lot of people have been reaching out lately to, like, want me on their platforms. And I'm like, it's only because you see what I'm doing now. But you guys have literally been supporting and following since I barely even had a platform so I was just like I'm gonna fight through this and (laughs) uh definitely make an appearance so the wine got me through I'm almost done with my glass so I did good (laughs) but yeah I was I was definitely gonna show up yeah thank you again for doing this we really appreciate it I think that this is like a story that definitely needed to be told and I'm glad that you were the one to do it period Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, Kia. A show. You were somewhere in my daydream. Moving closer with every heartbeat. I remember now you didn't say goodbye. Touched upon and sex me with precision.